Hey there, folks. What do you know? It's the Uticast, episode 235. Joining us this week, his second time on the show, an official member of the Uticast Two-Timers Club, uh, Andrew Dominio is here. We talked a lot about uh, real estate, working for uh, River Hills Property. We talked about his time at Townsquare Media, his new job working for WOUR, as well as his time on IBX. Uh, we talked a little bit about the Green Bay Packers. Sorry for him. Uh, also this week, we talked about the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame inductions, uh, the potential quote-unquote cell phone ban. Uh, we debuted some new lightning questions, the most popular uh, books in the public library, uh, and more. All that, folks, and more on another episode of the Uticast. As always, we are happy to have you here. Yeah, you can finish up your text. I didn't mean to stop you off. You're always finishing up a text whenever we start the, the episode, Heather. It's okay. You should be proud of me. I was using my Screen Time app lately on my phone, and it told me I'm down 24% this week. Yeah, I'm up 13%. You're up 13 <laughs> Up 13%. So I, can't, uh, I can't stay off my phone. You're allowed. You have a children and no, a, a child and a husband. No, I haven't seen my son since last night, so I just wanted to see if he got home. Well, thank you for, okay. for foregoing your family, for joining us here on episode 239 of the podcast. Welcome back, folks. Uh, Heather is here. Uh, Kevin is here. Kevin, what's going on? That Americano looks good. What up? <laughs> <laughs> oh, you frothed it? it like, no, oh, I frothed it. It comes frothed out the machine. All right, mm. there you go. Uh, I forgot to make coffee before we started. I was tempted to make one of my own, but I'm not trying to steal in your pots. That's literally what they're there for. <laughs> That's literally what they're there for. I don't, people think I'm going to fight them? I don't, I don't understand. Not today. I don't understand. Maybe not today. Heather, I also saw when you came in, you were eyeing my teacher's edition yeah, textbook over there. it like school. It's, it like scream school. When I brought it home, we were talking about it. When I was a kid, that's like the holy grail. Like, oh my God, the answers, all the answers. It's actually really daunting for to people read. who can't look at it and don't know what we're talking about. It's a textbook, like for high school, but it's the teacher's edition. Discovery so it's got school. all the stuff in the side and all the answers and the quiz questions. It's almost too much information when I'm going through it. It's like very dense. Uh, and we're getting new textbooks, so this is an obsolete textbook. So nice. hey, I'll just keep it for a while. Uh, but welcome back, show, uh, folks. Episode 239 this week. Uh, Andrew Dominio joins us for the second time. He's now a, an official member of the Two Timers Club. We had a great time chatting. Enjoyed talking to him. We talked about 50 minutes, and we probably could have gone longer just talking about all sorts of stuff. Uh, so what is going on today? Oh, so let me tell you the story I was going to tease for you, Heather. I woke up this morning. Last night, I went to bed a little bit too late for a Sunday night. I'm like, ah, no, it's later than I want to. Went to bed, looked at my clock. I'm like, oh, it's going to be a rough morning. Dragged myself out of bed this morning. Car's freezing cold. It's like four <laughs> degrees. Get in the car. I'm like running late. I'm like, ah, I don't have time to get coffee. I don't know. I went in and got coffee real quick. Anyway, I get to the school and there is nobody in the parking lot. Stop. <laughs> and I go. Stop. And I, now I'm thinking to myself, it's, it's like Regents Week for all the students. So I'm thinking to myself, wait. Is there like, is it a different site? Do they go somewhere else to do it? I know the whole school isn't doing regions, so maybe they send them somewhere else. So I call my boss, wake her up at like eight in the morning. I'm like, hey, um, are you guys like in a different building today? 
because uh, I can't, I don't see any cars here. She's like, no, honey, it's Martin Luther King Day. Like, go home. <laughs> we have the day off. So I woke up frantic, late to work, in the cold, on my day off. So that was a good way to start my Monday day. <laughs> it's funny because most people don't actually, they wake up and then get ready and realize that, but not most people go to work after. <laughs> I... It turned out to be good in the long run, but, man, I was frustrated for about five minutes <laughs> sitting in that parking lot. It's been a long time since I've done something like that, too. I felt very sheepish. I don't know if that's something that's ever happened to you in the past. The zoo's open every day, so there's yeah. no day you ever go to the no, zoo. No, How's life at the zoo these days? How's it's the work? Good. It's good? Yeah, busy. I mean, even though it's winter, we're still busy all winter. That's true. Uh, Kevin, we just watched the newest episode of Kerber Enthusiasm, which debuted yesterday. That is true. Uh, and during the interview that I did with Andrew Dominio today, one of the first things we talked about was 2020, like the new year. Uh, is it too late for us to be talking about the new year three weeks in? Yes. <laughs> yeah. so, 100% it's too late, yeah. So I shouldn't have asked him how his new year went so far. I mean, you can, something like that you can ask, but you don't say Happy New Year to him, that's all. Did you all. say Happy New Year? No, no, we just sort of <laughs> talked about how the start of our year uh, had gone. Yeah, you can do that. Yeah, so... Larry David made me feel a little self-conscious because I watched it after I did the interview. Mm. Uh, so, it was a relatively long interview, so I don't have a ton of content I want to cover news-wise up top here. I guess uh, we know who's going to be in the Super Bowl now after this weekend. It's going to be the Kansas City Chiefs and the San Francisco 49ers. Kev is a huge football fan here at the pot. How excited are you for the 49ers and the Chiefs in the Super Bowl? <laughs> Yo, the Super Bowl is awful. Yeah, it's pretty rough. Um, the problem with the Super Bowl is, like, people look at you like you got three heads if you don't want to do anything. Like, I don't, right. I don't care about the game at all. Sure. I wouldn't watch the game if, you know, left to my own devices. I wouldn't even think about watching the game. I'm mm. just not into it, right? But people act like you're crazy if you don't want to, like, go out to some, like, Super Bowl festival Event, get together. yeah. On a Sunday night, like I don't know, mm-hmm. yeah, and it goes late in the evening too. It's not like you're the gonna like thing. watch it on a Sunday and be back, but it's not in the middle of the day. It's you're... a scam. Yeah, I mean, um, I I'm not I'm never all that excited for the Super Bowl because the Bills are so terrible and I have no rooting interest in it generally. Mm-hmm. Uh, the halftime show is Jennifer Lopez and Shakira, so if that moves you to any excitement, if you're a halftime show person or a commercials I person, yeah, I mean that's I'm always live <laughs> for a live performance. You know, no, when I was a kid, there was always that misnomer that, like, oh, people watch the Super Bowl for the commercials. Like, that's a big part. All these companies are going to debut their big commercials. But, like, now I watch commercials, I'm like, they're just fine. They're just normal commercials. There's nothing special about them, I feel like, anymore. The internet ruined that. The internet did ruin it because they, like, put them out, like, a week before, and they just, you can watch them there and all that kind of thing. So. And, like, everything on the internet is more exciting than what's on these commercials. Plus, now, the internet so, like, has made everybody cynical and jaded and taken the joy out of their lives. Yes, it's true. Jesus. Well, really, though. You no, know really, what I mean? Like, serious. everybody's... Yeah, right. yeah, I know. Right. Yeah, we can't just... <laughs> well, we can't just... Like, Wouldn't say it if I wasn't. We can't just look at, like, a commercial. Like, that was a clever <laughs> commercial, right? Or that was a funny commercial. There's always some underlying yeah. thing about it. Like, um... Matter of fact, me and Andrew talked about this in the interview. We were talking about, like, you see, like, a Walmart commercial on TV, and you're just like, mm. You guys are trying to be nice, but I don't believe you. Yeah, <laughs> it's like the whole bad. thing feels bad. <laughs> uh, yeah, so Super Bowl, two weeks from today, I guess Kansas City by three, if you want if you want my prediction for the game. San Francisco's going to win. Sure. I love Kansas it. City. Huh? Kansas City, definitely. Kansas- <laughs> <Good>. <laughs> Heather, you were saying before we came in here, you don't want to get out of your car. It's too cold out to go to yeah. the grocery store. Mm-hmm. Um, here's a real small one that I'll do before we get into the stuff. My car has one of those buttons that you hit on your car to open the latch where your gas cap is. You don't yeah. pull it open. Yep. Every time. 
it freezes shut. I have to be out there with like a pocket knife mm-hmm. hacking that thing over. So Honda, I love your car, whatever year this was. Don't do that anymore. It's a bad call. It's like flip-up headlights. There's no good reason for it. It's a mistake. Just one more thing that can break. There's one more thing that could break. It's the most annoying thing that I found about this winter so far. Uh, all right. A couple stories this week. We'll start with the Rock and Roll uh, Hall of Fame 2020 inductions. Guys, you ready? These are the bands who were inducted into the 2020 Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. We have Nine Inch Nails, The Notorious B.I.G., Whitney Houston, the Pesh Mode and the Doobie Brothers, as well as the band T Rex. Any of those seem like uh, it's all fine and well? It's all fine by me. Yeah, I don't know a T Rex song. I'm sure that like someone, I don't know. yeah, someone like classic rock person will probably sit here and tell me that they're great, but I don't know if I know a T Rex song off the top of my head. Mm. Um, the real story that people were saying though was uh, so there was a fan vote this year that they did for the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, where you know fans can write in a vote on who the choices are that you get in the Hall of Fame. Mm-hmm. And the leading vote-getter was Dave Matthews Band. Like, Dave Matthews Band dominated the voting. But it turns out... 80% of the votes came from Whitesboro, New York. <laughs> yeah, 80% of the votes from Whitesboro, New York. They voted... A lot of these people voted for just Dave at SPAC? Just the words <laughs> Dave... Like they just wrote in the words Dave at SPAC? I think they think that's the name of the band? I don't know. I don't know what goes on. Yeah, Dave Matthews Shout and Tim... Shout out to the OGs who know what I mean. <laughs> yeah, just Dave Matthews and Tim Reynolds live at Red Just Red Dave at SPAC. Three words. Um, so people were mad about this because Dave Matthews obviously did not get into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, even though they won the fan vote. Sure. Because it turns out that the fan vote itself is only... Like, whoever wins the fan vote is just one additional vote in the overall voting process. Like, uh-huh. the fan vote counts as one person's vote. Mm-hmm. So people were mad... Uh, people feel like Dave Matthews got robbed. Mm. I mean, it's their first year of eligibility, is from what else I read. So I'm sure that Dave Matthews will get into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Yeah, well, probably. You don't, you don't know? Um, I, I, I mean, I, I could see it going. I probably, they probably will. I could see it going both ways. Um, a lot of the most relevant years were a very, very long time ago. Um, it still wasn't that rocky, although putting in people like Whitney Houston and Torres B.A.G. take out some of the what is rock sure. and roll argument. Um, they were somewhat influential. I mean, they're one of the guys in the band was diddling kids, but I mean, mm. if they put people, if they kept people who were kid diddlers out of the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, they wouldn't have a Rock and Roll Hall of That's Fame. That's a great point. Um, shout out to all your dad's favorite bands. Um, <laughs> Chuck Berry. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, Chuck Berry, Led Zeppelin, <laughs> yeah. Aerosmith, everybody, up and yeah. down. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, literally abused children. But so, I don't know. Um, I don't know what you do with the Dave Matthews. I think Dave Matthews is an interesting band for me because I, I actually. I don't. I would say I'm a huge Dave Matthews fan, but I like a lot of Dave Matthews songs that I liked growing up. It's that thing we talked about. Just fine. I don't get older and try and dislike stuff I liked when I was younger. Generally, right? I try not to. Mm-hmm. And a lot of Dave Matthews stuff still holds up for me. Um, I also think Dave Matthews is one of those things where I dislike the fan base more than the band. Oh, big time! <laughs> it's one of those big time. They, they're what ruins it. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. That happens sometimes with music and like. Like, Rick and Morty's the TV version of that. Like, I like the show just fine, but I wish the fans would shut up about it. Um, I think that's one of them. I think also one of the tough things you have with uh, the Dave Matthews Band, as far as their case for the Hall of Fame goes, is even though I guess they were a little bit influential uh, to some degree for certain types of music, nothing they did was really that indelible. They didn't really push any envelopes forward. Everything's kind of easy listening. 
Which, and that sounds hypocritical in a world where the fucking Doobie Brothers are getting in. <laughs> I'm realizing because I'm saying that. But the Doobie Brothers, this is like, you know, 80 years later or whatever. It is right. those it's a legacy vote. So maybe you'll see it later when That's Dave Matthews is closer to his deathbed, um, like Michael McDonald. But yeah, I don't, I don't, it's a little bit too like easy listening yeah. to make like a lasting impact. I don't think 12 year olds are growing up being like, Dave Matthews changed my life, man. Uh, and there's a certain section of people who are going to be mad at me for saying this. Is Dave Matthews up there with like the Moe's and Fish of the World? Or are they like more of a mainstream jam band? It's kind of a different. It's a different thing, right? Is it it's like a, a, it's, they're not really a jam band? Yeah, like gateway that. drug into they jam, but they're not really like a jam band. Hmm. You go to a Fish show, you'll hear that dude sing uh, nine nine lines of lyric in a three hour show. <laughs> it's barely songs. You know what I mean? Like that's. But it's really like that's more about the jam and the music. And I hmm. think the people who listen to Fish and stuff like that. Um, will tell you that, well, Dave Matthews will jam and they'll rock out and do some musical stuff and do some, you know, improv on their instruments on stage. Mm-hmm. That The main focus of them is still their verses and their choruses and their sing-alongs and the parts mm-hmm. that everybody knows. And, you know, those big hits and that dumb snare drum at the beginning of Ants Marching and all that stuff. <laughs> Heather, did you have a Dave Matthews period? Were you under I the did. table oh, and dreaming? I sure did. Yeah, I was live at Red Rock. <laughs> live at Red Rock. <laughs> What's it, do you have a favorite Dave Matthews album? Would you have to think about it for a second? I mean, guys, it's got to be the first one. Crash, the one that's got no, no, the the, the one that has the, the one that has like ants marching under the table and dreaming. Under the table yeah. and dreaming. I there actually hipsters will tell you before these crowded streets. That was the first Dave Matthews album I bought, so I <laughs> will, as a hipster, tell you. You see what I mean? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, not for any other reason than like that's the first time I think Dave Matthews like caught my attention. Like there yeah, was, yeah, for sure. It's always interesting too. And this well, that was also the first one to come out like of an age where you were buying albums and really getting yes. into them. Everything else was a little bit pre when you were still like a kid and didn't really have that agency. And I was that was like the first album I bought where it would relate to things in my life. I couldn't like. Okay. Oh. Yeah, don't drink the water. It's true. <laughs> don't ever drink the water. There's blood in the water. Um, no. I, I just was what I think is interesting about this, and I'm glad I got got here. Um, there was a really exciting time in my life when I was younger and really getting into a lot of music uh, mm-hmm. that I'd never heard from before. So if I got into Dave Matthews Band and I went out and bought Before These Cry the Streets, there were three or four albums before that that I didn't know about. And more albums, like it was a good time because if you liked something, you'd never heard, like, you know, the internet wasn't was around, but I wasn't using it to its it full extent. Yeah, it wasn't yeah. around the way it's around like, now, yeah. It was exciting to be like, oh wow, this this band's got multiple albums mm-hmm. that I've never, like, there's a whole bunch of stuff I got to do. Yeah, right? yeah. That sort of changed for me in the, like, I guess you'd call it the Napster, like, LimeWire era of, like, pirating, downloading music illegally, mm-hmm. where it's like, oh, I've heard of this band, so I'm going to download every album they ever had in their full discography, and now it's too much music, and I'll never listen to that. I did that to, mm-hmm. like, Tom Waits. That's more like, that's more like Torrent. Uh, yeah, Torrent, yeah, yeah, that's yeah. That's more like Torrent era instead of, like, Napster. Yeah, 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 Torrent era, that's yeah. more along the lines. Yeah, there's so many bands who I like, oh, I'm just going to download the entire thing, and then it's just like, uh, what do yeah, I Yeah, because it takes nine minutes, and who cares? People yeah. say they're awesome, so. Yeah. That's how I have all this Tom Waits music. I'm like, yeah, I guess Tom Waits. Why do I have three I'm sure, Yeah, I'm sure it's <laughs> probably applied, and if I listen to him at the right time, right place, I'm sure it means something. Uh, the only so much time. The only other music news that was out this week is uh, Eminem went along and did the surprise album drop thing that a lot of artists are doing this week. Tough when you do it like three times in a row. Mm-hmm. Like yeah. for as much as I actually like when artists do the surprise thing, mm-hmm. they don't have like the big campaign leading up to it. But I don't know. Go ahead. Uh, I mean, people are big mad about Eminem's album said some offensive things on there. Although it's Eminem, it is Eminem, so I kind of like tamper my expectations. It's Eminem. Yeah, of course. It's weird. Eminem. I feel like I missed Eminem. 
Like, it happened during my lifetime. Oh, I love Eminem. I liked two albums. Yeah. Like the Eminem show and the Marshall Mathers. I feel Those like... two are out. There's a lot more, apparently. Well, now, yeah. yeah. I'm saying, like, I, I feel like... I like Jay-Z, and I liked 50 Cent albums back then. I still go back and listen to those albums. I'm like, yeah, his albums are still pretty good. Like, I still listen to Get Rich or Die Tryin' or yeah. Black Album or Blueprint or whatever. Sure. If I go back to listen to an Eminem album, it's it's pretty tough. Yeah. Yeah, it doesn't, you know, you feel kind of always been breezy. Not even that stuff, but like even back then, like, I've all, you know, the songs that you hear that kind of come out, you know, you get to know them. Like, when I first heard, like, the high my name is, I'm like, oh, this is crazy. And I was super young, but even mm-hmm. back then, I've always liked hip-hop a lot and listened to a lot of different hip-hop, but I've never really liked Eminem. I don't like the production that he uses very often, the way his mm-hmm. beats are kind of like cinematic a little bit. Yeah. Doesn't really work, and I've never liked funny music or like funny rap music. Sure. So it's not like, oh my god, he said this shocking stuff about like poop and murder and drugs. Like, yeah, okay, cool, it's all, you're so edgy, it's so shocking. Mm -hmm. That doesn't do anything for me. I always really liked Eminem on a feature. Like, when he comes in on Renegade, on that Jay-Z song, and just has a verse. He's very, very well applied in that, and he's very talented and everything, but I've just never been a huge fan. Hmm. I think for him, too, he went along with music videos, helped him a lot. Like he was putting out time. Yeah, prime time. Prime time music videos, putting out, like, big, over-the-top, expensive, like, quote-unquote funny videos, right? He that did him a lot of favors too. I also genuinely don't really like the the actual like timbre of his voice, the actual sound of his voice. I'm not I don't like it. It's yeah, I miss like, it. Yeah. It's a little like nasally yeah, for me. I don't yeah. know. <laughs> <laughs> you look so distraught by it. I felt completely opposite about all of that. Really? You liked it? She loves it all. I did. She's a huge, that's what I'm putting like most people are. Yeah. I was most a people older, love that. I think when it came out, so I don't know if I just No, true, but no, everybody I know loved it though. I'm not like I'm very much in the minority with this yeah. take. Yeah. I'm You're aware, like the first person I've ever heard that I've been doing it for before. years. Yeah, I just don't it's just like eh, this well, is like which it's was kind of So let me ask you, if you oh. like if you like were on Eminem, like when this album came out, did you listen to it? Did you care to listen to this it? This one now? Yeah, this no, current. no. I'm I'm way no. away from it now. So when did like you, then I enjoyed it. So I'm curious, like when for like for me I feel like uh, after Eminem show, I kind of was like, okay, I'm, I'm not really... Was there, like, a moment where you were like, I'm done, no more, none of this? Or did you just sort of casually fade out? Faded out. That's kind of how it goes, I think. It's never really some big, dramatic moment. It just sort of fades I out I never had, like, a genre, genre of music there's that just I less, I just There's less everything. time. There's less stuff you yeah. chase back for, you know what I mean? That's fair. Pearl Jam's got a new album coming out. First time in, like, six years. Mm-hmm. Same they're going on tour this summer. I want to see him on tour cool. more yeah. than I would like to have a new album of original music. Does that makes sense. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> both. I'll, I'll, I'll always take a listen to a band's songs. You I know did, what I mean? What was the name of the last project? Lightning? Lightning Bolt. Yeah, it was the one. Okay. Yeah. yeah that's fine. Yeah, that's all right. Um, all right. So, a couple quick recaps. We talked last week about the Jeopardy Greatest of All Time tournament. Yeah. Um, and it's over now. Ken Jennings is your champion Ooh. of Jeopardy. Uh, all the Ken Jennings stands out there seem very pleased with themselves. Mm. I feel like James had a chance, and he blew it. He blew it. Uh, I will say, though, we were debating it during the... the I like to watch Jeopardy, and I like to answer the questions. But I feel like even though I have a higher feeling about myself success-wise than I should on Jeopardy, it's got to be so different to be on TV doing it and just, like, not being afraid to screw up like and had it preserved on television for the rest of your life mm-hmm. making dumb questions or dumb answers and taking shots in the dark i'd be much more it's much easier when i'm just sitting on my couch yelling out like four answers in a row mm-hmm. do you know what i mean <laughs> like, like just sloppily uh i give him credit to know all that kind of stuff that was the most impressive thing about it was just how many questions they all got right i was always waiting for the wrong answers and they were never showing up mm. Mm. that's it so i really got 
It's a shame that it's over. I think Ken Jennings will probably be the host of Jeopardy sometime in the future. He might as well be. He's the most popular... Although I don't think he's got enough. After watching him go out there, he doesn't have the gravitas at all. No, he's, he's trying got to... no composure. He's trying too hard to get himself over. He was trying to get himself and... over. It's gross. <laughs> well, you can't have James do it. He doesn't seem to care. He's only No, there. no. James can't do it at all. James is too busy listening to Eminem. And Brad Rutter? Very, very bland. Maybe Brad's your guy. <laughs> Brad's the guy. Maybe Brad's your guy. Maybe yeah, Brad yeah. is your guy. All right, uh, two quick ones before we get to the interview. Uh, there was a proposed bill. Uh, coming out of Vermont this week, uh, to make it illegal for anyone under the age of 21 to use or possess a cell phone in the state of Vermont. Uh, Now, so hear me out for a second here. The bill would make uh, possession or use of a cell phone a misdemeanor punishable by a maximum of a year behind bars or a $1,000 fine. Uh, The legislation links cell phone use by people under the age of 21 to a rise in driving fatalities, suicides, mass shootings, and terrorism. However, the guy, Senator John Rogers, who introduced the uh, the bill, says he's only doing it to make a point. He's like, I have no delusions that this bill is going to pass. Uh, I probably wouldn't vote for it myself, but they're putting it out there basically (laughs) to start discussion about it. Mm -hmm. I think 21 is a bit, um, it's kind of tough at 21, but... Should there be some sort of, like, limit on, like, an age for cell phones? It's tough to... You can't really. Yeah. I, mean, I wish there would be for I wish, time for kids. I especially. wish that, like, parents would take personal responsibility. Exactly. Mm-hmm. I think instead of having to legislate it, you know what I mean? Like, take personal responsibility yeah. and don't let screens babysit your child. Mm-hmm. Uh, easier said than done, I'm sure. You know what I mean? I no, it, but, like, you could still do it. You I have know you to can. stick to it. Like, I, I know you, I'm just being polite for the yeah, sake of that's well, what you say. But, yeah, but that's why. <laughs> You're my attack dog here because you've actually got a kid. No, it's just annoying. We, we go to the restaurants, kids have them. We're yeah. skiing, we kids have them. I always bring Kaz like matchbox cars mm-hmm. and like a little trash. Sure. And he can play with that. He doesn't need to be on my phone mm-hmm. or watching anything. It's silly. You know, it's... God, I'm glad he's doing that in Vermont. It's, <laughs> it's an interesting, like, thing, right? Like... For my sisters, when they had their kids, right, that was a conversation they had. Like, I'm not giving my kids, I'm not buying my kid a cell phone. They can get a cell phone when they're, like, 16, whatever, 18, right? The problem always comes in when they get to, like, middle school or high school and their friends have them ready because some parents don't care at all, right? Mm -hmm. And then it becomes, like, oh, how come my friend has a cell phone and I don't? And then you sort of get, like... Talked into that. it or debated into it. Well, because you don't get out there getting like legitimately socially ostracized either. You know yeah, what I mean? Right. Exactly. No, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it gives you those tough choices to make because again, you can't, you know, you can't control what other parents are going to do. And you can even sit here and say like, okay, like when my son or daughter comes to ask me about this, then the time for you to have that conversation about mm-hmm. the responsibilities of a cell phone. But and if- then boom, they're thirteen, and that conversation doesn't <laughs> right. end because their brain's not developed. <laughs> exactly. You know what I mean? I'll just sit down and have a reasonable chat with the lad. It's like, that's not how it works at all. Um... What was the one we were? I was watching some video about Shark Tank inventions, and one of them they had was the no phone. Did you ever see this one? No. It was basically a fake little, uh, block that you could hold. That would, a block of wood looks like a phone. That looks like a phone. So you could, like... cigarette get people to call them. Yeah. <laughs> they did not buy it. The yeah. sharks were not in on the no phone. Uh, all right, so yeah, cell phone band, Ken Jennings, Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. I think we covered all the stuff I wanted to get in this first segment. So uh, let's get to this week's interview. Uh, really nice conversation with Andrew Dravinio. Uh, we talked about real estate. You know, he works for River Hills Properties. We talked about uh, working on the radio. We talked about the Green Bay Packers. He's a huge Packers fan. He's very sad they lost. So we're all over the board with this conversation. About 50 minutes, and we'll be back to the show after that.
239, Andrew Davinio is back. Thank you for having me. It's a pleasure. This is, uh, back in the day when I had a lot more free time and creativity, I used to give people um, trophies for two times, because you're now a member <laughs> of the Uticast Two Timers Club. Nice. So congratulations, uh, a classic... Utica two timer. T- <laughs> I'm not. Uh, I'm not usually. Uh, I'm not usually admitted into many clubs. So I appreciate that. <laughs> yeah, it's like the no homers club, right? <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Um, well, Andrew, thanks for coming back, man. It's a pleasure to have you. Um, I was saying this to somebody a couple days ago. I think it was Justin from Made in Utica. This first. Uh, what was it? What was it? Twentieth, twenty first, twentieth, twentieth, twenty one, twenty twenty twenty, one twenty twenty twenty. How's your 2020 been so far? Because I'll tell you the truth. For me so far, I could give it back to the Indians. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, seriously. Right. Yeah. Um, it's, it's kind of funny because we were talking about, I've talked to several people with like New Year's resolutions. And uh, mm. I, like to, I like to think that, uh, you know, I have this idea. It's probably not an original idea, but do like a new month's resolution. Oh, ah, okay. Because right? you have like, you know, sometimes you just have failures, you know. Oh, God, yeah. So if it's a one-time resolution and you fail, you're not going to try again or do something else? Well, it's funny. I actually just read an article about New Year's resolutions about this, and it's the idea is you should understand in your New Year's resolution that you should put in failure points, right? You should expect to fail mm-hmm. once or twice. Because the idea, I think, for a lot of people is, like, about a month ago, I said, um, I'm off the cheeseburgers. No more fast food. Like, I got yeah. I got to chill with the fast food. I also knew that there would be times somewhere <laughs> along the way when it's like 8 o'clock at night and I haven't been home yet and I'm not going to want a grocery shop. And I expect that, you know, once uh, every two weeks I'm going to be like, all right, you know what, fine, let's go to Taco Bell. Right, because I can't, I can't right. do it. Well, and inevitably, too, or when you're out drinking. Yes. <laughs> Another big and... trigger. But I think like that's the idea, right? I don't want to be like, oh, well, I did it once. My whole resolution's off, now I'm just going to do it a million times. Like, if you plan to have a failure in there somewhere, only like, okay, well, I screwed up, but we're still we're still on track. Right. Because I think a lot of people, once they hit that first failure point, they're like, no, we're, that's it, we're moving, going back to the old ways. Well, and I mean, look, look at everybody, look at anybody who's ever succeeded at something. They've never gotten there. I mean, some people have struck gold right away, but I mean, it's not like everybody who's succeeded ever hasn't had immeasurable failures. Mm. Yeah, no, you're totally in right. their life. You have to learn to fail. Well, you learn and it's more how you you learn more from how you oh yeah bounce back. Oh yeah, no, for sure. I think, and that's something I try and tell my my kids all the time at school when we're doing this sort of thing. You know, if they fail a uh, a test, you know, hopefully not a midterm or a big test. Right. But like you fail like the first test of the year, it's like, well, you're gonna fail this test again because now you know what you screwed up and you know you weren't ready for it, right? Right. So it's all in the idea that maybe you learn. Okay, I wasn't good enough at this. Now I need to either like focus up. Right. Or figure out another way to do it. I was always like that with school because I was one of those guys growing up where I don't want to say school was easy, but I definitely didn't put in extra time. Right? Yeah. I just got it. I would go to school, they'd give you the lesson, I'd be like, got it, good. When's the test? Fine, I'm ready. And I would just go home and play video games. Right? Like yeah. I didn't. Yeah. I had a similar mentality, but I didn't get it all the time. So I was like, eh. I was like, never. I was always more into the social aspects of things. Well, college. That's where it turned around on me. Up until high school, I was okay. Just yeah, things came easy. Came easy, yeah. and then once I was in college, and I was just like, "Oh, I can't just, uh, I can't just wing this anymore." And it was a, it was an awakening, especially when I was down in New York and I was by myself, and I'm like, "Okay, it's, it's go time." <laughs> I say this about, uh, and I truly, genuinely mean it, and yeah, call me biased, but fine, that's fine. Uh, I think we have in this area, in this, in this, especially in Central New York, but in New York State, we have the best law enforcement, we have the best first responders, mm-hmm. and we have the we have really the best teachers, we have the best education system in the country. I think. Yeah. Um, but even 
with how well I do believe schools prepare you, um, high school and, and the like, you, you, you won't ever, nothing can compare you to prepare you properly for college. I mean, this is a real debate that we have in education classes, in graduate classes, with other teachers, and it simply comes down to how do you prepare the next generation of kids mm-hmm. for the next 10 years, the next 20 years, when we can't predict what the next 10 and 20 years look like. Right. We have no idea what the future looks like. I, you know, I got into teaching because I always thought to myself, it was one of those jobs they can't automate. I don't, it's sort of a joke, but well, like, no, but ah, they kind of can now. I, everything's in Google Classroom, and there's video stuff, and there's like smart boards. I'm like, oh, they're Look at the, look at, look at secondary education. Look at college. Oh, yeah. Online I mean, courses. That's like a huge market. Oh, yeah. yeah. And I've got to be honest, I was very anti online courses for years. I'm like, no, I got to go. I, ha- I need to have a place to go to. I need right. a terrestrial classroom where I can go in and sit down and learn from a, an expert, right? And now as I get into my, I just turned 34 uh, like 10 days ago. Happy birthday. Thanks, man. I appreciate you. Uh, I'm like, God, I don't have time. I wish I could do this online because I could do it from home. And I could, <laughs> like, It's funny how my priorities shifted, not because I like one better than the other, but because the convenience of it. And I understand why that's convenient for yeah. people now. Where, where did you... I think we talked about this last time you were on. Where did you go to college? Lemoyne. Lemoyne. Yeah, and I was really kind of um, unexpected, quick surprise. Had visited another college and was just going to do that route. And you're younger than me? Yeah, th- I'm going to be 30 in June. Okay, so you're... Yeah, so... Yeah, although I've told people, I'm, I think I'm just going to stay 29 until people <laughs> start to really question it. I'll tell you the truth about you know? the 30 thing. Um, I was not stressed out about... 30 uh, until I turned 29 mm-hmm. and I started thinking about it and then I was like oh god this last year I gotta do a lot of stuff before I turn 30 and then I turned 30 and everything was exactly the same it is. I was like oh yeah that's right nothing changed at all <laughs> and that's why I kind of like and people call me so negative and they say they say like uh, why are you so down on your birthday like I'm very happy for other people's birthdays I celebrate uh, yep. them but I don't make a big deal about mine I don't because- like being a fuss made I'm not a big guy of having a fuss made over me. Like, right. Oh, we're going to have a surprise. No, don't do that. Or some people have the birthday week. You know? Yeah, no, thank you. Oh, we're going to celebrate all. And some people have the even rarer and more annoying, no offense to anybody, mm. uh, birthday, birthday month. month. Yep. Yeah. yeah. I'll tell you what, though. For the 30th, my 30th birthday, I did leave Utica for a couple days. Yeah. Uh, me and Kevin uh, and Justin from Maiden Utica went to New York uh, for three days nice. to go see a Knicks game. That, that's like, that's all, I, I don't want to be around everybody, I don't want to have some big party, let's just go do something cool, and then I'll, we did a podcast while we were down there. Oh, we that's Bro- cool. We went to the Brooklyn Brewery, and like, we just, we screwed around for three days. Yeah. Like, that's all we did. If like, you can make it into an excuse to do something cool, yeah, I'm all yeah. about that. And it was nice, because my buddy just was out of town, he was in Russia, of all places, and he just gave me his apartment to be like, yeah, go ahead, stay here for free. Oh, that so is it really was a cool. great bonus, instead of having to pay for an apartment in New York for three days, which would have cost... Uh, a lot. <laughs> yeah, it would have. And I always I, I always say, if you can get a spot in the city to stay for free, go. You go to the city often? Or? I'm not as often as I'd like to. Yeah. Maybe like two or three times a year. Yeah. The last time I was actually, um, in, we went to a Green Bay Giants game. Mm. So I saw the Green Bay Giants game, and uh, that was an interesting weekend because I, I, about to, I was... You know, pretty inebriated going sure, into course. the game. That's so, like, game you know, for, that's yeah. exactly how it is. And it was kind of funny because it was almost like you were at Lambeau. Because I'm a Packers fan, it was almost like it was at Lambeau yeah. because it started with a green field and then the snow got worse. And that was that storm yes. to the point where I had never seen it. We we're driving back from the from the game, and 
we're on a throughway and we get to right before New Paltz and my uh, stepfather was like, I'm not. We're, yeah. we're pulling over. We're getting a motel. <laughs> yeah. Because I had never seen anything like it that weekend. It was, the throughway was a standstill. It was a crawl. Oh, my God. And I'd yeah. never seen it like that. It's, it wasn't like we were, like, so my stepfather was going, like, grandfatherly <laughs> slow, and everybody's, like, whizzing by him. Everybody was kind of going a constant 30. Yeah. I mean, we, that's always the issue I would have with, uh, we go to D.C. every year, or we used to go to D.C. every year with young mm-hmm. scholars, and you could almost guarantee, you're like, okay, this is, like, a long drive. You're going to guarantee you're going to get at least one stretch where there's traffic <laughs> jam for, like, 45 oh, minutes. especially going It just to is what it is. Like, there's construction accidents, whatever it is, like, you can expect it, and that's actually the part of the trip that gives me the most heartburn. I don't oh, mind, yeah, I hate just I don't mind driving for four and a half hours. It does not bother me. I'll put a podcast on, I'll listen to the radio, I'll listen to some music, I'll drink a cup of coffee, but yeah. just sitting in that car silently screaming and all the people around Come me in my back. Especially you being from New York, you're automatically more an aggressive driver. Yes. Yeah, but yeah, 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 so when, before the day before the game, we went into Manhattan. And, oh, nice. You know, you can spend... Did you wear the, the Packers the gear in Manhattan? Oh, yeah. yeah. Did you, you have to. Did you yeah. get trolled? No, not too bad. New York City is interesting because there are so many transplants that it's not really... There's not really like, yeah, there's Giants fans and Jets fans, but you kind of got to go to Queens. Yeah, you have to be not in, <laughs> yeah. you know, Midtown Manhattan. Yeah, Manhattan, people are also wearing, like, soccer jerseys more than anything else. That's true. Uh, can, we can talk about the Packers for a second. If you want to talk about are you still reeling from the, the loss am. last night? Um, I, I'll say this. As a Bills fan... Far be it for me to ever like revel in anyone's misery. Like I enjoyed when the Patriots <laughs> lost; it was a great time. Do you? Are you concerned? Because I said this last night to Justin. This felt like I don't want to say the window is closing for Rodgers, yeah. but it feels like we're kind of getting to the end of this Aaron Rodgers run with the Packers. It is. It's funny. I kind of feel that way at the same time, but I mean, for the same argument of Tom Brady. Yeah. Um, but it also like you look at all the all the years that Tom Brady had success and it's like man he had really solid squads really around teams. him yeah. you know offensive lines wide receivers yeah um, and I think that where Aaron Rodgers has done a, has been done a disservice mm. is the up the front office has, yeah. has has consistently like never supported him or protected him or got. You know, up until Matt LaFleur came into the scene, yeah. which, I mean, hats off to him, first-year coach, getting to the NFC oh, yeah. Championship game, in the circumstances of the first half, mm-hmm. kept his cool, and managed to get 20 points out of yeah. it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I thought there was a chance when it was 34-20, to I was like, oh, maybe maybe we're still not done with this game here. Yeah, well, because that's the beauty of Rodgers, right? Yeah. Is he only needs a quarter. You know, We've I, seen him do it before. My, pro- my, my concern for them is there's things that it looks like they need to fix in this team. Specifically, offensive line. Sorry mm-hmm. for all our non-sports listeners. Yeah. Uh, offensive line. They struggled to protect him last night, mm-hmm. and maybe it's Kansas. Maybe it's just that San Francisco's defense is stacked, or whatever it is. I'm concerned that by the time they draft and fix up that offensive line and stack him with more players, it's going to be a couple years down the road. It's yeah. not going to all happen at once, and then you're you're kind of in this one two year cycle now where he's got to make a go. He's this year, next year, you're ahead. And yes, and and I think too a lot of it was he did not have he had a subpar year. Yeah, I yeah, mean yeah. overthrowing guys, not making the. But then again, you, you you see and you look at like the the Kansas City game where they played earlier in the year. Yeah, and he had like some amazing passes that like it's like superhuman. But I guess the point is is that I knew we weren't going to beat Sam Fran. You know, and I'm not sure. just being a pessimistic fan. I mean, the team is 
when you have that good a defense, when you have that good of an offensive line, when you have a situation where your backup quarterback, because mm-hmm. Tavon Coleman yeah, he got hurt, hurt. Yeah, he hurt his arm. He's the first string. Yeah. That kid who set a San Francisco postseason record. It was unreal. I had not was, seen anything like it. Raheem Mostert made a star of himself last yeah, night. Yeah, I mean, who? what other team cannot play? I mean, if you look at Jimmy Garoppolo's numbers like six night, passes. You think what? And again, you look at Rodgers too. Huh. He was like twenty-two for twenty-five or twenty-two for twenty-seven, something like that. You look at his numbers. Basically, what 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 hurt them last last night and what what made it a, not so much a game is that you know you can't fumble. Yeah, you can't throw that pick. You can't have a twenty-yard punt. Yeah, yeah. You can't have you know roughing the passer when they're in the red zone already. Mm-hmm. So they really, I, I put up on my social media last night. Green Bay beat the Packers last night, but the 49ers surely didn't help. Yeah, see that? I'm looking at your Facebook stream yeah. right now, actually. You probably got trolled on. That's why I won't put any comments on any sports thing, because it's just people ready to troll Some me. people love talking shit. Oh, they do. They just thrive off it. I well, don't. I think it's bad sports karma. That's why I don't bet on my team. No, it's true. I don't <laughs> like talk shit. Uh, no. I don't know if we talked about it. Why are you a Packers fan? Just in, did you just grow up like sort of watching Favre or whatever? It's funny. Not... Yeah, that and I thought... So my grandfather... He was from Ohio. My mm-hmm. mom's dad was from Ohio, but was a big Vince Lombardi fan. Sure. Yeah, so, I think that's a... Yeah. you know, my understanding of it was that he liked Lombardi and that uh, <clears throat> that that's why he, he must have been a Green Bay fan. He put yeah. two and two together. So a few years ago, I was, I was having a conversation with my uncles, and they were asked the same question. They were mm-hmm. so confused by it. I said, well, because Grandpa was a sure. Packers fan, yeah, yeah, right? Yeah. He wasn't a Packers fan. He was a Browns fan. Oh no, he'd be a Browns fan. <laughs> so he I kind of rooting for Mayfield. <laughs> right. So I had kind of dodged the uh, the bullet there a little bit. So I kind of was accidental. I caught flack with that actually when I was younger. Cause I I was uh, an early generation of what I noticed today with my kids, where I liked players and didn't care about teams. That's like, really a thing now. It's, it's like it's, it's especially prevalent in like the high school kids I talked to today. Mostly with basketball and football. I don't notice True. it quite as much as baseball, especially around oh, here, because baseball. everyone's very, like, Yankees-oriented. Mm-hmm. But, like, a lot of these kids are like, oh, my favorite player is LeBron. I'm like, oh, you're a Lakers fan? They're like, no. no. I just I just yeah. love LeBron, right? And I think that happens a lot with football. As I was growing up, I remember, like, my, Joe Montana. So I liked the 49ers for a second, and I liked yeah. the Chiefs for a second. And then I, like, I liked, I don't know, I liked like, the Jermaine, or Jerome Bettis. I liked the Steelers first. But by the time I settled on the Bills, my whole family's primarily Giants fans. I'm like, Really? Like you're picking the Bills, this crummy team that nobody well, really, likes. They're the only New York team. The only team that plays in New York. It's true. And I don't care. Anybody can debate it all day. If you play in New Jersey, you're not. Play, <laughs> I always felt like rooting for the New York Giants felt like rooting for like a stock company. It just, it, do you know what I mean? Like it felt very <laughs> like dry and be like, okay, great, the Giants with the yeah. their big gray stadium that looks like nothing in the middle of the swamp in New Jersey. Like, no thanks, it's fine. Exactly. At least the Bills have some character. Uh, I could tell we could get caught up on a whole thing about sports here. Yes, so I'm gonna could. I'm gonna move on for just a moment though. But again, next year. It's gonna be our year. Bills, always next year. Bills Packers in, in <laughs> I will the Super say, Bowl next year. <laughs> Rogers maybe, yeah. Rodgers may be um, kind of getting to that point, but Josh Allen has a bright future, man. He, I'm glad somebody thinks. I, I believe, and I believe truly, and I know we wanted to move on from sports. <laughs> no, it's move, okay. But I do want to say this: Bills fans should be happy if they can keep some of the core players that they have, not losing to free agency or other teams, because that's mm-hmm. kind of like what the Bills' problem has been. Like they have yeah. these. When you look at Marshawn Lynch anybody. and all these other people, Sammy Watkins. Yeah, you know. they they go on and they go for better yeah. teams. Josh Allen, the only reason he performed, I think, and there's no excuse not to 
make it no, I mean, that, there's I, no excuse to for what happened to happen. They forgot to play in the third quarter. I don't <clears> know right. what the hell happened yet. But if you look at him, he I bet you he was concussed. I think Josh Allen. I think he to have the look of confusion that he had, something was going on. I think he hit his head and he was not the same quarterback he was in the first half. We got spoiled uh, a little bit with like the defense was so good. And also, we get spoiled with like early success now. Like when quarterbacks come out and they're good immediately. Lamar Jackson, like within the first two years, yeah. he's a stud. Like Mahomes, like first two years, he's a stud. A lot of these times, if you look back at the history, it takes a couple times. Like Peyton was did not win his first couple playoff matches. Like right. a lot of these great quarterbacks lost those first couple times. You got to kind of understand. Have, it's the getting process. back to the failure, right? Yeah, getting back to the failure thing. You got to know how to lose. I looked at that game last night. Or the the first game, the Titans game against um, the Kansas Chiefs, City. Yeah. Once, um, once Vrabel, uh, the coach of the Titans, was down and they started getting behind, it seemed like they had no other plan. There wasn't a backup plan. There wasn't a secondary idea. It's like, ah, oh, what do we do? Right. Right. They and say that, what they say yeah. what what makes Belichick such a good coach is that, hmm. um, you know, even though you hate him, uh, he is a phenomenal <laughs> coach. And, you know, if you wait to have time to make an adjustment, it's already too late. If you wait for, you know, so he, you got to constantly be adjusting your game plan. You got a prediction for Super Bowl? Who's going to win? Um, well, obviously I'm biased now. I, I never <laughs> want the team to beat my team to win. Uh, Some people I like, like that. I like the Chiefs. They say defense wins super, uh, championships, but. I think it's, if, I don't know if Mahomes ever wins. He, I don't know if he's going to be like a guy, a guy who wins a ton of championships. This feels like what he needs right, right yeah. now. Get this one. This this feels like the moment. Garoppolo, we'll see. I don't know. We'll when see you come on. off a yeah. win like Sam Fran did last yeah. night, you just naturally, I feel like, will be lackadaisical in yeah. your <clears throat> preparation for the next team. Yeah. You're like, we dominated the hell out of this team. Mm. And then there's, I feel like there's a mentality of, like, that's almost a disadvantage. I don't like this two-week layover, too. Oh, it yeah. feels like a waste... Uh, all right, let's get into another sport that's very exciting, and that is the sport of real estate. Yeah, uh, you've been doing the River Hills property thing for how long now? It's got to be four years. I'm entering my fourth year now, and I'm sure that after you leave here, the studio, you have a listing not too far <laughs> up the street. You might check in on it. But, yes, definitely. Uh, so let me ask you this question: It feels like I talk about this with teaching all the time. About ten years ago, it felt like people were not getting into teaching. So now, suddenly, there's this big giant need. For teachers, there's not enough teachers. You go into schools every day. There's like we need subs, we need teachers. Where it's not enough bodies, right? Because for a long time, people were scared to get into it. It's an expensive profession to get into. You have to lay a lot of money down. The rewards tend to come later in your career. Like those early years are tough. Yeah. With real estate, I think probably after the housing crisis, there was probably a rush of people who were like, "I'm not. I'm scared to buy a house now." Yeah. And yet, you were saying before I came in here that it seems like there is an uptick in like young folks buying houses. Have you noticed a change in people like being more interested in buying today? There are so many. I mean, <clears throat> and I talked just like yesterday. Uh, I was in Rhode Island over the weekend. I was mm-hmm. talking with my my good friend's mother-in-law because she handles real estate closings sure. at a legal office. Yeah, yeah. And she said it's very similar to this market, you know. But right now, I think in general, especially here in Central New York. It is such a seller's market. Yeah. Where people are realizing what you pay for rents mm-hmm. compared to what you will pay for a home. Yeah. And with the cost of living from a, a home ownership standpoint here, you're crazy not to. I mean, if you've got the credit and you've got, you know, and you've got the income, yeah. It's a no-brainer. 
I mean, if I wasn't buried in like student loan debt and oh yeah, stuff, I, mean, I'd be think, I would have thought about it already. But like, it is something that I did think about. I'm getting into my 30s. I'm like, you know, I should start thinking about something more permanent. Yeah. Like the the concern of like, like I love this apartment. I love my landlord. I love you know the place we got set up, but. What's to say that she doesn't decide to next sell it. month? Yeah, to sell it. Who's going to stop her? And then what happens to us, right? right? There's something about having something your own, and I think people are starting to get back around to. And people don't realize, even if you only buy one house your whole life, mm-hmm. which is, you know, that's unrealistic. Yeah, you sure. Marry, yeah. have to, you grow out of it mm-hmm. and whatever. <clears throat> even if you buy one house your whole life, that's an investment. Mm-hmm. That is a that is an actual financial investment that you that could yield if done correctly. yield you profits in the future. Mm -hmm. A lot of people, actually real estate still, a lot of people, that's a huge part of their portfolios. Mm -hmm. They buy, I know one one local uh, businessman and his job is one thing, but you wouldn't know that he's got 40 plus multifamily apartments that he rents to college kids Mm -hmm. and and, and he could never work, he he wouldn't have to work another day of his life. Yeah. You You see see a lot lot of people who, you know, Build investments and have you know have money. A lot of it they make on uh, real estate. Yeah, I know guys who've done that for years. They play in bands or they do other stuff. It's like, oh yeah, by the way, I also have these houses that I you know it's just extra income on the side. Mm-hmm. I mean, again, your the cost there is the initial overhead that you pay to like get right. the property. Pay the closing costs that comes and, off at right. the end after a certain amount of time. Imagine, yeah. I always tell people, and this is something I learned from my the owner of the company that I work for, River Hills. He said, you make all your money when you buy the house. Mm-hmm. And what what that means is, so uh, I use the $100,000 example. I kind of go into every, when I'm meeting with a new client to list their property, I kind of do the whole Kelly Blue Book thing where I look sure. at where their house is, kind of like what's the bar yeah. for the market right now by looking at comparables, what's for sale currently, and then I kind of look at the condition, right? Yeah. So, you know, if you were to buy a brand new car on Kelly Blue Book, it's going to be at this value. Where mm-hmm. if, you know, you trade it in or it's got this um, sure. flaw to it or it has this needs this repair, it's going to go down in cost. So, let's take the $100,000 house, for example. Sure. If the max value based on the market for that house is $100,000 mm-hmm. and it's got everything done to it, new kitchen, new bath, to the works, everything's perfect, like top line, you know, top of the line remodeled, and the most you can get for that area is one hundred thousand for it. You don't want to buy it for one hundred thousand, right. right? Now there could be down the road. You know what I mean? Because <laughs> yeah, 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 you're right. You know yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean? So ideally, you want to get something that is going to be where you pay less than the appraised value. So right. what happens as part of the real estate right. transaction is a good deal, quote unquote. Right. right. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You have to because. You know, you let's say you buy that hundred thousand dollar house, and let's say it, it has the potential to be a hundred thousand. It needs work. You know, kind of how much you can put into it to get to it, and you end up getting it for seventy five. Mm-hmm. Well, you've essentially theoretically yeah. got twenty five thousand dollars in equity in the house mm-hmm. because of the appraiser. So basically, the appraiser's job is they come in when you're getting your loan, and they basically look at the house, and they kind of do what I do as a real estate agent to list the property, look at comparables. And they basically determine what the value of the property is for the bank. Mm. So let's say you you buy that $100,000 house and they say, ah, based on my comparables and, and what I do as an appraiser, this house is only worth $90,000. Yeah. The bank will not finance the house mm. for $100,000. You either have to lower the price or do that. Sure. So let's say it appraises for a hundred and you got the house for seventy five. Mm-hmm. You would theoretically have $25,000 yeah. in equity in the house. Mm. 
then if you were to do improvements to it, that's where it builds up. It's so funny. So it's, it's kind of a complex thing, but you really have to. That's why it's important when you're shopping for a house. Shameless plug. Yeah. <laughs> to, to, to seek the advice of a real estate agent. Yeah, yeah. Because they're going to look out for you in a sense of like, well, yeah, they're asking this, but it's going to take this much money to get it to what it could truly be worth. Well, it's so funny. I just read this article not too long ago, and I forget where it was from. I'll, I'll try and find it, Cindy. It's pretty funny. It was about all these people moving to Italy, all these American like couples and families mm-hmm. moving to Italy because what they were doing is they have all these old houses that no one wants to buy, so they'll sell them for a dollar. As long as you commit to putting, like, a certain amount of, mm-hmm. like, building up the house over the next, like, five to ten years. And apparently, all, there's, like, hundreds of listings in Italy, and all the people are American. All of them want to get this, like, deal. And it's, like, it's an attractive idea, this buy low and then be able to build it up over time, right? That's an yeah. attractive idea for a lot of people. And what's good about New York is what people don't realize. I had the uh, I had the privilege of being asked to speak to a bunch of medical students mm. when they were on tour at the, at the hospital recently, about a couple years ago. And these are kids from all over the all over the country, right? And I bring them a bunch of MLS sheets, just samples of houses that were on yeah. the market at that time. And I'm showing them these houses that are 2,500 square feet. Two and a half acres yeah. for two hundred fifty thousand mm-hmm. dollars, and their jaw hits the floor. Yeah, because where they're from, that's eight hundred to a million. <laughs> so <laughs> where New York, and I tell people all the time, it's like New York's cost of even though we're such a high tax state. Yeah, the property values are, I mean, for what you can get. So if you mm-hmm. so if you have the ability to, you talked about the buy low. Yeah, and then sell. Yeah, especially if you have the means and the knowledge to do home improvements yourself like mm-hmm. if you know how to do flooring if you know how to paint oh, yeah. well or you know how to install cabinets and stuff like that or you know somebody that'll give you a deal almost to do it at cost great area to flip houses well it's funny to wrap it back around i was talking earlier about we don't know how to prep kids for the next 10 20 years a real conversation that goes on with teachers now is should we be talking to kids about like trade schools like learning to do like plumbing and electricity and car because no one's doing it. No one wants to. Do it. No one understands that it's like you can be your own boss and you can make your own money at your own pay. Like it's we just, did, just right. we didn't promote it in colleges anywhere for like twenty years. <laughs> right, stopped. because I mean I think a yeah. lot of it is is like you know and again I don't want to criticize the you know uh, yeah. higher education <laughs> system <laughs> here, but like criticism to why out. would you push the other option exactly when it's such a money maker exactly you know everybody's got to go to college but then you end up with this divide where people who don't do these this type of college work like, oh well you know there's a blue collar white collar thing. right that's where you know you get this weird divide between like oh this guy's a blue collar job but it's like that guy makes more money than you do <laughs> right exactly oh and that's a hundred percent and it's almost like i kind of wish that like we do push the trades more because of the shortage of plumbers, electricians, da, da, yeah. da, da, they can charge whatever the fuck they mm-hmm. want. They can charge whatever they want. I do want to get to some radio stuff, and I have one last question for you about mm-hmm. the real estate thing, just because a little explain it to me like I'm five, I suppose. So let's say I come up to you and I say, hey, Andrew, I'm looking to buy a house. Mm-hmm. What's the process start? Do I just tell, do I start talking about places I like in the area? Do you have like a specific region or you have most of your listings in? Do you specialize in an area? Local... Like, it, what I tell you is I'm licensed to sell any property in the state of New York. Mm-hmm. Interesting. So I tell people all the time, I'll go if you want me to sell your $3.1 million penthouse in Manhattan, mm. I will be on a train yeah, sure. 
down to the city every weekend if I have Love that to. commission. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, but so basically, I always advise people, and we have a lot of valuable resources here locally. Yeah. Um, the Home Ownership Center being, the, you know, the be all end all mm. of it. I mean, they will prepare you. They're going to look at your your credit score, your finances, your debt to income, because that's all. If you're not pre qualified to buy a house from a lending institution. Mm-hmm. You don't even might as well not even bother looking unless you got cash. Mm. So the so so the point is you want to get you want to get pre pre financed yeah. pre approved. Mm-hmm. So visit visit a I agree visit your local bank. Credit unions are very good. Um, if you have you can find a, mm. a trustable mortgage broker. However you see fit, make sure that you get yourself pre qualified because when you go to a lender and you say this is how much I want to spend, uh, this is my budget. Mm-hmm. And then here's all my debt and stuff. They'll be able to tell you what price range of house sure. to look for yeah. so that you stay comfortable. That's nice to know. I mean, and um, so then once you reach that point, it's just a matter of where you want to live. Basically, what I do is I ask people pretty basic questions like, you know, where do you want to live? What is your budget? This, that, and the other. And then basically, give me your email and I'll just shoot a bunch of addresses. Andrew, uh, would you like a refill of your coffee? Uh, yeah, sure. So while I'm refilling our coffee very quickly, uh, and before we get in the radio section, why don't you just give people uh, just a shout out to where they can get a hold of you or sure, reach out I, to you if they want to get into real estate or any sort of contact with you. I, I appreciate the opportunity for that. So you can call me on my cell phone. Uh, if you don't have my cell phone, it's very easy to get. It's 315-272-7419. Again, repeating, 315-272-7419. You can, yes, you can call, text, um, anytime. I like to joke. I get up at three thirty, and I don't go to bed till usually ten thirty if I'm lucky. So there's a very small window of time to get in touch with me. If you want to sell the house, we always do free home assessments. I'll come in, basically talk to you how much your house is worth. Yeah. And but you know, I encourage people see a lot of houses. Mm. Go and look at a bunch. Even if there's one you fall in love with, see it so that. You know, because you might see one thing in one house and love it, mm. but that's not the house for you, and it may be an idea for you in your next house or give you something to look for in a future house. So, for folks who don't know you primarily from real estate, a lot of folks probably know you from your work on WIBX, and you're doing stuff on OUR now. You said, <laughs> "Yeah, I'm actually very honored." Um, man, OUR is a legendary station. Oh, yeah. Me being kind of an old soul, I uh, <laughs> I like to tell people I identify as a boomer. <laughs> Um, you know, you be careful about the kids with that one. Yeah, right. Uh, but the uh, um, but the uh, oh, you are such a legendary station. You had oh, names yeah. like Jerry Krause and Genesee Joe mm-hmm. and uh, all those guys that really helped bring it to its glory. We just celebrated our 50th anniversary as a radio station, and Town Square Media purchased oh, you are recently. So uh, to have the opportunity to be asked to do a three to seven afternoon, yeah. you know. The doctor, Jerry Krause's former shift, is uh, quite an honor. It's funny. I was talking to Kevin about this last week, and uh, he told me I was crazy. But my, I told him I felt like I was getting old because I've transitioned from when I was a kid. I would always listen to 94.9. And now as I get older, I always turn over to the classic rock station. <laughs> like, oh, my God, I'm getting old. Was, well, uh, they have a lot of old stuff they would play on, on K-Rock on, uh, on well, OUR. Well, it's funny about that, that's what I, That was the point of discussion. I was like, listening to... K-Rock one day, flipping through Seek and whatever, and I stopped by K-Rock and it was a Metallica song. And part of me is like, you know, I understand why this is on here, but aren't you guys like the modern rock? I understand. Isn't Metallica <laughs> sort of leaning into classic rock now, yeah. depending on how... It was also not a good Metallica. It was like Unforgiven as opposed yeah. to like a thrash Metallica song from back in the day. Exactly, yeah. Um, but I want to ask you a little quick question about 
Uh, so doing the IBX stuff, that's mostly the talk stuff you do, and that's the work. Yeah, you, do. you know, producing yeah. the show for yeah. for Bill and, and Bill and Jeff and I, we really kind of developed a really nice show in the sense that uh, I think it's what makes our show. Again, I hate to sound braggadocious, no, no, no. but I think what makes our show you know enjoyable and fun is that Jeff and Bill and I are genuinely good friends. We yeah. hang out, go to hockey games, go to each other. You know, we go to Bill's house, and so I think because we know each other so well, and we're, we're kind of good friends with each other, there's that natural chemistry. But we always like to do everything we can to keep people informed and to help out if we can. So, I mean, it's not a surprise to anyone who listens to this show, who's listened to the show for 239 episodes or whatever. I'm pretty openly progressive guy, liberal guy, a mm-hmm. Democrat, generally I'm a registered Democrat. Yeah. Over the last few years, there was definitely a time when this show, especially early 2016, uh, or 20, like, yeah, of course, when yeah. it felt like I was getting to a bad place where we were just talking about Trump shit all the time. Like, it was constantly, like, an evaluation stuff. And I've kind of moved away from... Not that I'm not paying attention to politics. Mm-hmm. I just don't feel the need to talk about it on the podcast anymore. Have you noticed, like, do people... Is that, like, a, a concept that's come around? Like, do people want to lean more away from politics now recently in the last few, like, years and months? If you're not on the extreme side... Right. You don't. You can't touch it at Those all, Those people right? yeah, are yeah. dug in so deep. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's unfortunate because you get to a point now where with any politician, uh, be it whether you they're in the party yeah, that yeah. you agree with or see with, I personally have always been a person that I'm not a party person. Yeah, I think a lot more people are getting that way now, too. You know, and I think yeah. that that's what needs to happen. Yeah. I'm not so much a party person as, you know, if a, if, if a leader does something that's good... They deserve to be praised. Hmm. If they do something that's bad, they deserve to be called out on it. And I'm talking about on local levels too. You know, from local all the way up to to the national level. But it's 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 distressing for some people because they don't want to be like, well, you know, hey, you know, I really hate that guy. But yeah, I mean, he did something that I would have kind of agreed with if it had been somebody from the other side, right? Or vice versa. It's something that's come up a lot actually with this baseball cheating scandal that's been right. in the news, right? A lot of Yankee fans, a lot of Dodgers fans want to dunk on the Red Sox and the Astros. And, you know, a lot of people are saying, like, oh, you shouldn't say anything because, like, you never know when the Yankees are going to get caught or something. And Kevin made a really good point, actually, when we were talking about it. I'm not blind to the fact that the Yankees may have cheated, right? Oh, yeah. And if they cheated, punish them. Because I'm a Yankees fan, I'm not going to, like, defend them and then the shit on the Astros and the Red Sox right. and all these cheater teams. I want people who aren't cheating, even if they are on my team, to pay the crime for what they did. Exactly, right? and that does not seem to work in a politics. Work. Right, like it's we will argue for our side, even if it's in direct opposition to something we said about the other side. And there's right. no, I laugh. I'd never be a politician because I think my politician, like my politics slogan, would just be the word nuance. Right, <laughs> <laughs> and, and nuance doesn't sell. Right, like, right. Uh, but yeah, that's it's. That's it's also why. a fundraising issue, right? Okay, oh, so, yeah, and now you get into the mechanics of it. Right? I mean, yeah, that's yeah. the thing. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's why local politics, I admire greatly mm. the majority of our local officials. It's tough, yeah. Because you look at the Mohawk Valley Nine, mm-hmm. which is, you know, a lot of assembly people mm-hmm. and Senate people like yeah. Griffo, Buttonshawn, uh, Bernard Dizzy, when he was in the assembly. Yep. Didn't matter what party they were. They worked together to, as it should be, you know, push for legislation that will best benefit their districts in the Mohawk Valley region of central New York. When, you know, Bernice has been on the show many times. Mm-hmm. Uh, 
primarily before he's been a congressman, although I have seen him multiple times since then, and weirdly he still recognizes me, which oh, is the yeah. first thing I remember. I was like, oh yeah, that guy. He's the most, he's, he's the most down-to-earth yeah. guy there is. But he, you know, he's in a tough spot. Oh. A tougher spot than most politicians I can think of. Because what won him this district is not popular necessarily in Utica all the time. Utica specifically, in the little bubble of Utica. Mm-hmm. Or nationally, right? He So he is out there sort of being a little bit more conservative as a Democrat, right? A little more in the center. Right. Because he has to appeal to this base that voted him in here, right? He's running a local campaign on a national level. It's very tough. And he has to... Th- like thread that needle very. Pre- I think he's done a pretty good job, actually. Right. All things considered, and he's he's been faced with several. And it's it's not it's no stranger to this district. I mean, it was the twenty fourth, yeah. I believe, before yeah. Hannah. Uh, now it's the twenty second yeah. because of the census, whatever. Um, but he's not the first congressperson that's had that. You know, it's funny on the Keeler show we had Steve Cornwell, who mm-hmm. was one of the Republicans that's vying for the nomination for the Republicans. He talked about Brindisi being in the NY Catch-22 mm-hmm. because it is a fairly moderate district. <laughs> we have always kind of had uh, uh, fairly moderate representation. And, you know, for instance, he, you know, so Mike Arcuri, he, I mean, he, he really mm. grappled or fought with the Obamacare vote. Yep. Um, there's a story he tells on the, uh, he's told on the air, mm. so I'm not speaking out of school. Sure. He said that there were a couple times he was invited to play basketball with with President Obama. Mm. Wow. He voted no. Yeah. And that stopped. <laughs> he didn't get asked to play basketball. That's anymore. a shame. <laughs> and, it, and, and exactly. And it's and it's and with with Brindisi's impeachment vote, mm. so many people um, that call into the show that listen to the show. And I remember the morning that he announced that he would be voting yes. It was. Kind of balanced, but a lot of people called up and said, "That's it. No matter what, doesn't doesn't matter what he does. You know, he he lost my vote. Yeah, and it's tough for him because, you know, whether you agree with it or not, it's like, do you do you vote one way to keep the seat so you can keep doing all the really great bipartisan stuff that you're right. doing, or do you risk?" It's your volunteer. I mean, a lot of it is fundraising dollars. It's asking too. a lot of your base. If your if your Democratic base is your Democratic base, right. it's asking a lot of them to say, "I'm going to vote no on impeachment, but you guys understand that I'm doing it because I have to win this election again." Some people understand that. Right. I kind of understood. I was like, I understand why he's not willing to pull the trigger on this, but some people will not. Some people will just see it as this one issue. That oh well, that's it. They don't understand. You know what I mean? I almost think it might have been better for him to just, like, I don't know, I don't want to say abstain or whatever it is. To do the but, like, present vote. Yeah, I don't know. Like I, But I also think that Anthony, because he, he did then say. you're a flip-flopper if you, don't, if you do that. Right. And you he can't did pick one say, side or the other. He did yeah. say that he voted his conscience, and I think that there is a lot to that. But I also believe in some circumstances, if you don't have the money, it's very hard to compete. If you yes. look at the money that was yeah. spent in the race between Tenney and him, mm-hmm. it was unbelievable. Yeah. So if that well gets dried up, it doesn't matter what happens, it's going to be very difficult to run. I will say this, you know, to the people that are uh, Republican, that are, that, that would, that reacted the way they did, mm-hmm. um, you know, is it, I mean, is it, is it not good enough that he came out in support of USMCA? Right. Is it not good enough that he right. was okay with the, with the assassination of Soleimani? Yeah. So, 
he I don't think he's a party line guy. People want to paint him into a box, it's but he's be, not like that. It's going to be important for him to have a good PR team around mm-hmm. him when they do the next election to sort of make those points clear, right? To really focus in on what I've done since I've been here as opposed to what my opponent did when she was here or blah, 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 whatever right. going forward. Uh, let me ask you this question. We'll get away from national for a second. You guys are I'm glad because local, I will argue with anybody oh, yeah. that local is the most important. Well, let me ask you this. What, you know, you've probably got more of a pulse on this than I am since you're there every day. Mm. Is the hospital still the biggest local issue for people? Is that still the thing that is getting the most, like, discussion point, or has it moved on to something else? You know, I think uh, I think it's still hot button. I think uh, yeah. some people are really angry about it. I think a lot of people, and I hate to say it, but they're just they're so parochial. They're so mm. old-fashioned. They've been burned. And I can, I can feel yeah. for the people of Utica because they have been burned and burned mm-hmm. and burned. GE left and all that. The Griffiths base yeah. closed, but I mean, look at Rome. Okay, mm-hmm. Rome. They could have just, they could have just said, you know what, the base closed. Fuck it. Let's let that. Yeah. Let's let that all go to hell. Yep. yep. But what Mayor Izzo is doing there, and what the people in Rome are doing. I mean, what's happening at the base is mm-hmm. is transformational. It's very impressive. You really, don't hear really any protest stuff, yeah. about it ever. Mm-mm. No sir. So I mean, and this is where I were, and it kind of goes into where local is so important. I really truly believe. And I make I use this example. I said, sure. "What really? If you think about it, what elected position gets paid nothing and has pretty much, in my estimation, my argument, mm. the most direct impact on their constituents? Mm. And that's a school board member. Interesting, right? Yeah, school board's a volunteer position. Yep, it's elected positions, but decisions they make determine teacher salary, property taxes, yep, exactly, curriculum. It's a great point. And they get paid nothing." Mm. Mayors, you know, mayors, you look at, you know, um, council people, mayors, mayors in particular, it's an important role, or town supervisors. Mm. It, it almost is like, it doesn't really matter who's at the top, right? There's always going to be grants available, funding mm. available. And what makes you, I think, a true local leader mm. is, first of all, putting aside the, the, the party bullshit. Yeah, it's tough. Especially locally, it's, it's much less... It's a lot easier yeah, to do that easier, locally. Yeah, especially locally, yeah. But... You know, not be the smartest person in the room, mm-hmm. or think you are. That's why I think Tony Pacenti has been so successful. Not to say that he's not a smart guy, but oh, he's yeah. not one of these guys that claims to know everything. Mm-hmm. You know, exactly. in interviews that we've had with him, he talks about, you know, I'm not familiar with this. That's why, you know, what they're doing with the opioid task force, yeah. bringing literally the community together right. to fight the problem. Well, that's the other thing. I think it's a very important skill to have to say I don't I'm not the guy on this right I'm not yeah, the person to put do your this pride myself, aside right but I'm going to bring in somebody and give them you know the leeway to do who knows what they're doing a professional to come in and handle this because they're going to be better at this than I will because this is not my 100% thing, right 100% you know you have to surround yourself with the proper team because the proper team um, you know they'll bring all elements to it but like you look at Mayor Izzo, getting back to sure. Mayor Izzo. You know, not to pick on anybody else, but she surrounded herself with the right people to write the proper grants, to fight for the funding. The money is out there. Yeah. You just got to be the one to try to get it. Mm-hmm. You know, they won DRI, Utica won DRI, and then it's about getting the right team together to how best to spend the money. Um, if, you know, and so getting back to your question about the hospital, right. 
I think it is one of the hot button divisive issues locally. But mm-hmm. I, I mean, I tell people all the time, it's like, you know, and especially people who who bitch and moan about corporate welfare. Sure. You can have the argument that the way that that is done, the way economic development is done, needs to be changed. But mm-hmm. it is what it is, right? Right. If you don't get the money for the hospital, it's going to go to Binghamton, or it's going to go to Syracuse, mm-hmm. or it's going to go up north, or it's going to go downstate. When's the last time they built a hospital in the state? I also think, too, when the, the what we call the chip plant that we were supposed yeah. to get, the nano, right? Right. Those two things sort of were happening in similar spheres of influence. I remember those conversations happening. And then once the nano thing fell through, it felt like the pressure on this downtown hospital to succeed amped up exponentially. Because oh, now yeah. we've lost this other thing. It's not coming. Another like thing pulled out under the rug from us. Now, if you follow the whole Foxconn thing, maybe we didn't want that in the first place. Right, right? or the... Or the, or the yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, but you look at... These, so even if you take the new company that's coming in great, yeah. mm-hmm. totally different circumstances, Very different. right? Totally. You different. had the, you know, you had AIS was a, an Austria an Austrian company mm-hmm. that, you know, we were we were kind of taking a chance on. And then yeah. you know, the president of SUNY Poly, Elaine Calieros, he's he was tried and found guilty of yeah. corruption charges. Right. So it's a totally different circumstance where Cree is a publicly traded sure. American company. Mm-hmm. Not not to say that we would be, you know, that I'd be opposed to you know, international no, yeah, yeah, yeah. like American publicly traded company. They do their homework. They had plans to build and expand their facilities down south, but they saw what we have to offer. Upstate New York, I mean, from all the stuff I mentioned with property values and stuff like that, I mean, I love it because what other area of the country, and there's probably others, but you can get four seasons, mm. four seasons. And then in a four-hours time drive, yep. you can be in Canada, Buffalo, the city, yep. if you go as I've, fast as I do, um, <laughs> or the Adirondacks. I've made that argument a million times. You can do whatever you want. You can be, it's, it'd be nice if it was a little bit warmer. Yeah. <laughs> but other than that, like, I have no, I, I love having seasons. I love the the variety of what we get, right? Yeah. But um, to your point, again, really quickly. I'm no, sorry. yeah, no, no, you're good. The pressure is on. Yeah. These, yeah, yeah, these yeah. things need to succeed. Yes. The hospital needs to happen. The yes. Cree company. Yeah. Now, what's different? Again, another big difference about that deal as opposed to AIS is that Cree is spending the money. They are spending the billion dollars of the company's money to build the the fab, and there. And the difference between this deal and the other was that there are safeguards in place for this one, where they don't. Mm-hmm. They don't meet certain standards. They don't hire a certain amount of people. They don't follow certain timelines. They don't get the five hundred million from the state. Yeah. So they put in place these, you know, kind of timelines and and stand, you know, and, and basically standards how they want it, uh, you know, basically kind of steps they have to yeah. take in order for them to get their refund. So it's not just like here's a half a million dollars, go build your facility. They're actually paying for construction costs, design, and all that. But there's a lot of pressure because you look at. You look at what Rob Esch and his, and his company, Garden Entertainment, yeah. has done. They, I mean, it's phenomenal. The Nexus Center is going to be transformational. Yeah. Youth sports is is an insanely huge moneymaker. Oh, yeah. So I think all that stuff together, the pressure's on for that to succeed. The pressure's on for the hospital to be built. And there's pressure for Cree because this area needs it. Yeah. And again, I think you, you, you hit it spot on. 
a lot of the stuff needs to succeed. It yeah. has to, because I don't know what we do. Because I can't take any more of these naysayers <laughs> being right, you know? Uh, Andrew, it's been a pleasure here having you for, uh, again, second time, episode 239, before we let you go, because I know I've kept you longer than I said I would. I told you I was going to try and cut these shows yeah. down. Now that was my fault. That's I, okay. No, no, I love it. A uh, couple lightning round questions for you, because you were here uh, last time. They are different lightning round questions than we have before. Uh, so That's my favorite part, but <laughs> I love it. Andrew Dominio, what's the worst job you've ever had that you can talk about? Oh boy, um, probably um, probably <laughs> doing maintenance mm. uh, at a school. Oh, like janitorial services. Yeah, like yeah. janitorial. I mean, it's not like I, I respect poorly. the hell out of I respect yeah. the hell out of uh, everybody that does it. But I was uh, a young kid, and it was like, and also too, because it was like Lord. I worked at Lord's School, oh, yeah. and like it's a kind of a creepy thing. And it's then like you're weird, after hours, <laughs> yes. and it's dark, and you're like sweeping, like look at all the statues. The statue, ah, what's going on? <laughs> um, but it, I think it's important for everybody. Actually, you know what? That's not the worst job. I'm sorry, the worst job I ever had. I lived in Nashville, mm. and I was an overnight stalker for Walmart. Overnight already got me. My dad used to do that. The night, yeah, the graveyard shift at Walmart. Um, they were understaffed. They treat their employees, at least this particular store, God. treated their employees like shit. And they're expecting you to stock in an eight. I mean, it was the only job ever where I hated it and was begging for more time because I couldn't get my job done. Kevin and I got mad watching a Walmart commercial yesterday. It was a commercial on during the game, and it was like, Walmart, dude, all this stuff. We're like, you disingenuous bricks. Yeah. <laughs> you, not... you treat your employees like shit. <laughs> it's a scam. Yeah. Uh, what... So Walmart, sorry. <laughs> What's your, uh, who is your favorite Fictional villain. Your favorite fictional villain. Man, that is a tough, tough one. question. God, that is very tough. You want to come back to it? I yeah, get, please. Uh, come back. I, I got some time to uh, think about that. What is your favorite fast food menu item? Single fast food menu item. Um, definitely, probably McChicken with lettuce, no Mc- mayo. Wow, that's basic dollar menu style. I, I respect it actually. When yeah. I was a poorer man, I ate a lot of McChicken. Yeah, and then you know what? Actually, when I worked at Disney World. Um, we had this. We had a, a cast member discount at mm-hmm. CC's Pizza. Yeah. So it was like all the pizza you could eat for two fifty. Uh, what's one possession you own that you could never get rid of? Oh man, oh that that's a tough one too. One possession I could never get rid of. Um, probably be my phone. You a phone? You a phone junkie? I'm I'm not. I'm a slave to the phone. I'm saying I guess for like in a sense that like I wouldn't be able to effectively do my jobs. Oh no, I'm with you on that. And actually, I'll tell you the best thing I did with my phone is I got I started paying attention to my screen time app. Yeah, they give you that app. It tells you like how many hours a day, how many hours a week, whatever it is you're you're on your phone. Not that it stops me from using my phone. Like again, mm-hmm. emails connected to my phone, school stuff, podcast stuff, a lot of stuff I do, promotions connected to my phone. Yeah, but it is. It's just good to know. It's good to have that in my head. Like, okay, I'm sitting here on the couch. I've already used like my phone for five hours today. Maybe put this down. Yeah, maybe no, do something. It's definitely else, a right? discipline that needs to happen. I wish I could read more too. But uh, what's a movie that you will always stop and watch if you're flipping through the channels? Forrest Gump or It's a Wonderful Life. You're an It's a Wonderful Life guy, huh? Not even just for Christmas. <laughs> it's a great. I'll movie. pull it out and watch it because if you, everybody should watch it. Everybody uh, who's ever thought. You know that that they don't mean something. Mm-hmm. That need to watch. It's a Wonderful Life. It's my favorite movie because the lesson it teaches. Mm. It's such brilliant. It's the movie is is such brilliant. It's not just because of Jimmy Stewart, who's my favorite. The lesson learned in that movie is is I cry every time. 
You know what's interesting, too, about movies like that? Like, that movie is an all-time classic. Frank Capra, they talk about mm-hmm. it all the time. It's a Christmas thing. It's like this big, crazy Jimmy Stewart, you know, yeah. classic feature. Much like a lot of really highly regarded movies now, it was not particularly well-liked when it came out. Right. Like, it got mediocre to fine reviews mm-hmm. when it came out. It's funny that, you know, there's a lot of movies I can think of going back where it's like, people are like, eh, I'm not sure about this. And then they have to retroactively be like, oh, yeah, by the way, Godfather 2, greatest movie ever. Like, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, yeah. right. Um, do you want to go back to your villain question, or can I do that's, one last one? Yeah, do one more, because I'm still thinking, because that's a tough one, because... What know. would your dream category be? On Jeopardy, your dream category. Oh my gosh, probably Italian food. Italian food. <laughs> that's your. That's your. Because you grow up, you know, you grow up in that, you know, you kind of know everything. You know. Uh, all right. Uh, if you don't want to do the villain, like the villain, but it's, it's. I guess the, what I say you is like Disney. I feel like there's a lot of fictional villains. <laughs> you have to Captain Hook Man. Yeah, no, there's some villains that you feel bad for, but uh, I have to say, I'm going to say from a standpoint of. Um, the writing of their character, not for the action that they did. This may seem like a cop out because mm. it's Shakespeare, but I was always fascinated with uh, Iago, Iago because he did so much damage. Yeah, just by suggestion. He was a there was a category on Shakespeare on Jeopardy about this. He was the answer to something. He has like, yeah. the most lines in a. Shakespeare. I think it was yeah. during the goat. Wasn't during the goat, the goat yeah, thing. Yeah. 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 So Iago, I mean, probably Othello is my favorite. One of my favorite shows. Mm. One of my favorite plays. Uh, plays, yeah, yeah. But um, if you just look at it from a standpoint of like how, again, you talk about like how Mm -hmm. Shakespeare and older works, especially Shakespeare, are still relevant today. The power of suggestion is so dangerous, Mm. and Iago embodied that. Mm. So I always think of the stupid parrot from Aladdin when people say, "Oh yeah, yeah." Godfrey." Uh, Last but not least, give me one book, album, movie, or television show you are currently reading, listening to, or watching. One book, album, movie, or television show you are currently reading. I just finished you, which I would recommend everybody. That's Netflix. That's the Netflix. Yeah. yeah, Okay. Yeah. yeah, Um, I've heard some people talking about this. Yeah, and it's not overhyped. It's actually pretty mm-hmm. well done. Mm-hmm. And um, I'm also in the midst of the Aaron Hernandez documentary. Uh, I haven't watched it yet. I've already heard a lot of Patriots fans being like, can we stop with this? We get it. He's yeah. a scumbag. I'm yeah, like, right. uh, but yeah, actually, good, like, though, yeah. you know, and there's some, like, uh, you know, over-dramatization and stuff like that, but I really think that I'm a true believer that any person that does any kind of uh, act like he did... Yeah. It has to be based on an experience you had. I mean, he had a really did rough they, life. I don't know if they've gotten through the whole thing yet. How much of this are they putting on the CTE thing? Like, the, the concussion they, stuff? They've and... scratched the surface on that. They've scratched the surface on that. But, I mean, you look at Aaron Hernandez went from having a phenomenal relationship with his father. His father went into a hernia, sur- a hernia mm-hmm. surgery and died. Mm. Routine surgery. Yeah. One of those freak incidents. Trauma. And then his mother, who was... Huh. The biggest piece of shit. Yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah. It, literally from... And again, it's not fair because it's a documentary. Sure. So there can be, like, biases in it. Mm. But she... And even the conversations that they played in the documentary between he and his mother, yeah. she was all about, why didn't you... When he signed his $40 million deal, why didn't you just give me a million? I would have been fine. Well, it's not like that. I'm not getting a check for $40 million. Right, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then after his father died, she went and a month later was... Sleeping around or in a relationship with his cousin's wife's ex-husband. So I think at a 16-year-old kid losing your father, an important figure, that early, again, not an excuse. You're a documentary guy, obviously? Yeah. 
I prefer documentaries. I'll give you one before we close up here. I just watched this one again with Justin and Kevin because I showed it to him. It's not on Netflix. It's on some terrible free app called Tubi. T U B I. I haven't, but I. It's uh, a. I. I I'm only, always looking for new stuff. I only found it because I was looking to watch this particular documentary, and it's called Avocateur, and it's about Morton Downey Jr. And Morton Downey Jr. If you don't know who he was, he was one of the earliest like TV show hosts, but he was like a. He was a right wing guy, super conservative. Like he was yelling at politicians and screaming. Yeah. It was very much like early into like the Jerry Springer type stuff, but not quite oh, that. Okay. But it's really fascinating because he grew up like the son of this famous singer, and he was like friends with the Kennedys, and it's really all about like he found his niche and just became this person. And whether or not he believed in it is really irrelevant because him becoming this character led him to success, which made him this person in real. It's really it's very fascinating about like. Uh, and especially as somebody who works in like you know radio and has some interest in like production and content creation, I think you'd really like it. I'll, I'll write that one down for you. Yeah, definitely, because yeah, yeah. that's an interesting thing because you see that a lot too. Without getting too much into the weeds about it, is like people fall into that even with actors and roles. You know, well, like they you know they're obviously leaning on this one. Like they're like, oh, look at like Glenn Beck, look at Sean Hannity, look at like Tucker Carlson. People actually yeah. believe that they believe what they're saying. It's like they're making a lot of money saying what they're saying. Yeah. It pays for them to believe what they're saying. Whether they do or not is irrelevant. It does not matter. Right? They found a niche that sells for them and makes them lots of money yeah. and makes them super famous. So that's that's who you are now. Right? Right. Exactly. Andrew, this has been a great pleasure. It's wanna... always a pleasure. I'm sorry. I feel like I made you go over. I mean, well, it's funny. I, I had a weird fringe day off today because I, I told the story earlier. I drove into work this morning. So, yeah, I called my boss. I'm like, hey, I have no cars in here. Like, because it's a holiday. Go home. I'm like, damn it. So now I'm like, I could have slept. I could have slept. That's right. Yeah. Andrew, thank you so much. We appreciate you so much. Uh, folks, we'll be back to the show in just a moment. estate thing as someone who has like thought about you know whether i'd like to buy a house relatively soon in the near future next few years it seems very daunting to me the idea of going to like find a house and buy it and committing to like doing all of it and he actually you know he's a real estate agent Mm -hmm. so he probably wants to do a good job but he explained it in a way that didn't feel super overwhelming Mm -hmm. or super you know you were you involved in the process of like buying a house right now? No, not the one I'm in now. Exactly. Was, he had it before me. Yeah. So we're looking to buy a new house. So have you gone through this process at all with like yeah, a real estate yeah. agent? Mm-hmm. Do, you, do you find it overwhelming? Um, not really. No. I didn't think it was too bad. It was mm. just getting everything together for it. You yeah. Know, and seeing if you're gonna be able to not have a co-signer and go through all that good <laughs> stuff. Your credit's good. But no. Yeah, that's where I feel like you almost have to have. If you have a good real estate agent, though, they basically do it for you, and that's the nice thing. I had a nice Mm -hmm. real estate agent, so he he made it very easy for me. So Mm -hmm. that's that's the problem. If you don't have someone that's able to help you through it, then it's a pain in the ass. Well, and one of the things he was talking about is he's seeing more people buying houses now than in the last five or ten years. Like people are Mm -hmm. not as afraid to like commit to buying a house. I mean, like the housing market crashes and all that kind of stuff. Like people seem to be 
more interested now he's saying in like finding houses and settling down because it might be just as cheap as like renting an apartment for some people seems to be the case mm. that's uh, interesting if you look at houses sometimes i see on the internet look at houses all the time yeah what do you know look- i know about every house for sale in like three counties. <laughs> I'm not kidding. I look at Zillow probably every day. What I love you, I love houses. What are you looking for when you're looking at houses? Like what's the thing that catches your eye? Is it yard? Is it I mean, acreage? That's a that's a multi layered question because sure. like when I look at houses Certainly, I'm not just looking at houses in my budgetary range. You know what I mean? <laughs> right. Like, I know right. there's this one house out in Remsen costs about $500,000, but this thing is crazy. It looks like a Frank Lloyd Wright house. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? I know about this other house, $200,000 up in Holland Patton. It's an old printing mill from the 1820s that somebody redid loft styles for sale at a great price, actually, mm-hmm. in the nice yard. Um, but, yeah, so, like, when I'm looking at them, I look for uh, something that looks like... I'm always looking for something that's a good value, mm-hmm. something that has a unique look to it, so it doesn't just look like every other house. Like I hate, style. like, I hate, like, new construction. Like, you have, yeah. like, Hertham Heights and stuff and Whitesboro. Yeah. I'm sure those are beautiful houses, and if somebody gave me one, I would happily live in one forever. You know what I mean? So it's not, like, knocking what people choose, but for me, I like something with, with character, something that's a little bit unique. I do, like, yard space. I'm always looking for a porch. Um, interesting windows, lots of light, you know what I mean? Any kind of thing like that. Yeah. Um, I tend to look at kitchens. Kitchens is a huge thing, too, you know what I mean? Your kitchen is kind of a, it would be one of the first things I would look for. If I was on, like, one of those TV shows, it's like, oh, I got this budget of $200,000, find me a house. Yeah. Um, but I'm not surprised that somebody like, you know, our friend Andrew Demi or any of the real estate people are doing well, because there's a lot of good deals to be had yeah. um, around town and locally and within the area. There's definitely a lot of good deals to be had. Well, he's talking about, it feels like he says like a seller's market right now, if you have houses. Mm. Uh, and he also talked about, you know, the nice thing is, if, you know, going through a real estate agent, if you talk to them about it, they'll just show you stuff that's in your range. They're never going to show you anything yeah, that you course. can't possibly afford. Yeah, like, that, yeah. That, that would be a waste of their time. Yeah. You know what I mean? They're not dumb. I always assume like, everyone's trying to upsell me on everything I do, right? <laughs> and you know, it's yeah, like, yeah, it's, yeah, I mean, I, I can understand where that notion might come from. But, like, realistically, the thing is, they can't talk you into spending more than what you qualify for. Mm-hmm. Like, if you qualify for a $150,000 loan for a house, they can show you all the $200,000 house you want, but it's not like you can just choose to spend $50,000 more. You're qualified for X amount of money, and that's it. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? There is no upsell to be had because nobody is giving you more credit to take a mortgage. Yeah. You know what I mean? That's fair. I've, I've thought about it, though. It would be nice. I mean, I'm in no rush to go buy a house or anything. Don't get me wrong. But mm-hmm. it would be nice to, like, own something that didn't feel like it was on the whim of somebody else to for Hell me yeah. to stay there or get Hell thrown yeah. out. Yeah. You have to worry about getting thrown out. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Like I was in, well, that's what happened when I was in New York, right? We mm-hmm. loved that apartment for the most part. It was expensive. It had its problems. But all of a sudden, we had 12 days to get out, and it wasn't our choice. It's the same. I used to have that house up on 12B in Clinton, and I loved that house. And I would have rented that house for... A billion years, but mm-hmm. the landlord was a lunatic who embezzled money from his company and got arrested. Shout out to Bill Owens, who lives up in New Hartford, bad <laughs> guy if you know him. <laughs> wow. um, yeah, but just not really not a good guy. I love it. Um, and like now, you know, so we got bumped right out of there unceremoniously. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? And had to move, and it's a shame because you are really on the whim. Whereas, like with that property, I would have been happy there for a really long time. You know? Yeah. So it is the tough thing, and it would be nice to buy, but you know. It's also tough because you've got all of these, you've got all these like delusional old folks holding on to like these insane prices that they think their house is worth. Yeah. And that's not really the case. They're like, well, I invested in this, so I need to get X amount off my retirement. Well, I'm sorry, you're a bad planner. I don't know what to tell you, but like, you're not going to get that value for that house, you know? That's true. Uh, however, I will say, if my have destroyed the market, <laughs> if my uh, if my landlord from Brooklyn saw Silverstein didn't kick me out with 12 days notice. 
then I'd never have come back to Utica and started this podcast. So shout out to Saul. For- no, that's true. Honestly, that's true. If you can get if you can get like scrambled down there out of that apartment, you probably wouldn't have come home at the time. Yeah, I mean, you I'm would have just, been home eventually, but it would have been different than the way it, you came. It home. happened quick, and yeah. Uh, yeah, I don't regret it. I'm happy that I'm back. I mean, I enjoyed it here, and also like thinking about going back to New York now seems like such a scary concept. Mm. Like all the money I would need to even start over again. Oh yeah. yeah. Uh, all right. So, uh, in lieu of history questions this week. No history. No history this week. I know. We're going to make history instead. (laughs) Uh, So, we had three new lightning round questions that I added to the interview uh, this year. I try and rotate the questions out a little bit Mm -hmm. here and there when I can. Uh, So, uh, Andrews were the first repeat guests we had this year. Mm -hmm. So, I I fed him some of the new questions. And because you guys haven't been... uh, brought up with a question. I'm going to give them to you guys as well. Oh, so we get a little special lightning yeah. round. Yeah, a little special a little lightning little recurring, round. Yes. recurring guest host lightning round. Yeah. Let's see what's going on. Here. Uh, so here we go. These are the three new lightning round questions. I fed these to Heather because she wanted me to I'm make ready. sure. Okay. <laughs> so the first one is, what is your dream category in Jeopardy? And I guess really it's like, what's some weird niche thing you know the most about? What category could you absolutely feast on? Absolutely feast on in Jeopardy. Um, I mean, the obvious answer for me is like dinosaurs. Uh, but if you're getting real nuanced, I mean, like, Godzilla movies. I feel, see, uh, I feel like saying something like dinosaurs, I feel too like, broad. Is, uh, yeah, I feel yeah. like that's a, uh, that's a pride go for the fall thing. You, uh, you could end up getting shook out on some dinosaurs. 1980s, 1970s Nicaraguan history. It's true, you would do well there. You would do very well there. Uh, Twin Peaks. <laughs> something, honestly, something <laughs> like, like history of professional wrestling, you would do really well. Professional like. wrestling. Yeah. yeah. Um, yeah, like just stuff I know. Blink-182 lyrics. <laughs> do you know what I mean? Like, just, like, whatever. I don't know. Those are just some of the easy ones that popped in my mind. Heather, anything that you feel like you know a ton about? It's so weird, like, um, that people went on to his, like, gear for... Rock climbing. Rock climbing. Or places you can climb all over the world that people don't know about. And there's just like, you know, that would be fun for me. Yeah, that's or, right. I mean, there's things I never get to talk about on a show that I know a lot about. Like, well, what so, else would give you something? No, what else you got? It's just, no, it's just like things like that. I would like to feel it's, <laughs> I would kill everybody at it. There you go. That's what you like to see. No. Uh, Kev, what about you? Um, I mean, outside of like the obvious like wild niches, like my grandparents... John and Mary Sullivan but like um, anything having to do with music from a yeah. specific time period we grew up like I would say if you looked into um, any kind of like punk post hardcore what people would call emo like through that stretch mm, of time sure. and all those bands that came up like if you were naming lyrics or band members from like you know all these like different yeah. bands that Used to be around, and not necessarily be certainly like our contemporaries, but like bands that were playing at the mm-hmm. same time we were playing, and people would be around, and they could meet people, talk to people, whatever. Yeah, yeah. That would be something that I think I would have For an sure. edge over your average, uh, you know, James Holtower. I'm somewhere. shocked at how much you know about music. I know a lot. Of I mean, a lot I of can't things. believe it. You'll say like a lyric of like four words, and he'll know like exactly what you're talking about. Mm-hmm. It's amazing to me. Stephen King books, but I feel like that's really broad because I feel broad. like I feel like a lot of people know that stuff mm-hmm. too. You, you know start getting I mean? dark tower stuff. I'm out. I'm, I'm trying to, <laughs> yeah, for real. I'm trying to think of something that would be niche enough that I would have a real competitive advantage, but would still be included on the show. Mm. It's still realistic, you know what I mean? I mean, people are probably screaming, like, The Office, right? Like, that. people feel like the, everyone who loves The Office knows everything about it, I feel like, and they just dig into it. Like, Yeah, sure. 
Um, There's like a lot of shows like Seinfeld, kind of like that. A lot of people would. I would do well if Friends was the category. I would Friends. Do well. oh, I um, if, yeah. if like really like throwback, but if Doug on Nickelodeon was Ooh, one, I would do well. Yeah. I would need to brush up. Mm. I would need to brush up, but that would be good. Yeah, um, where's my David the Gnome category, Jeopardy? What's oh up? My God, I love <laughs> David the Gnome. Swift, mm-hmm. wasn't that his little like. His fox, his fox friend. Yeah. It's true. That's right. Yeah, so yeah, I like that question. Dream category on Jeopardy. I'm sure I'll think of them later on. Uh, I feel like I'll have better ones. That's all right. Well, if you think of any as we go along, just shout them out randomly in the middle of the discussion okay uh <laughs> lightning round question number two uh who is your favorite fictional villain your favorite fictional villain this is a tougher one than the first one uh much like uh because i'm an insane person i have an answer for this it's quint from jaws he's my favorite fictional villain of all time he's super quint, quint from jaws is not a villain yes he is he's a he goddamn is. hero quint He's, yeah. yeah. He's the villain. He's the he's the savior. You know he He's the one who dro- he drove them out to the water. He destroys the radio. He's obsessed with catching the shark. He's Captain Ahab. He's the villain, my friend. Shark is the villain. Shark is an indiscriminate machine. The shark mm. is a is a chaotic neutral. He's not here for good or bad. It, until the fourth movie, Jaws for the Revenge, where the shark gets a, consequent, a conscience and decides he's going to chase people across the United States. I don't know if I accept Quint as the villain. All right, so... Complicated anti-hero, I will say. Complicated, okay, so if you want a broader villain, I, I guess... I need villain. I need bad guy. Jafar from Aladdin? Oh, that's recently biased. Just because you watched it. We did just watch it the other day. Well, so Disney villains are the first thing I kind of go to, right? Because there's so many, like, classic Disney villains, like your Maleficent sure. of the world... Um, you gotta, I'll, I'll say it before people start talking crazy. The Joker, the Joker, just the Joker. Yeah, I've yeah, always yeah. liked yeah. the Joker in every iteration of the Joker. Batman. Um, the best comic book supervillain, best villain. Like I can't think sure. of a more iconic comic book villain for, sure. for any. Maybe Magneto. Magneto's kind of a cool Magneto's villain, but cool. that's well, not Magneto as. Magneto is not the Joker. No, I'm true. struggling on that one in my brain. I was, I'm struggling. Well, now that Kev shot down Quint. I'm starting to think of all my villains I like are just anti-heroes as opposed to villains. Like, who's the most likable straight bad guy? I mean, Tony Soprano's technically a villain, right? That's See, that's what I'm saying. Right. Yeah. You start to get into that weird zone where, like, Tony Soprano's a bad guy, but you can't necessarily call villain, him though. the villain. Mm. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. villain would be something a little more, like... I think it's complicated if you start talking about, like, Hans Landa from The Glorious Bastards. Christoph Waltz's character... I, I, he was awesome. He did a great job. You know what I mean? But like, is he the full-on villain? Dolph is Lundgren? Bill the Butcher the full-on villain? Mm-hmm. Yeah, what would he considered like a... Uh, yeah. Ivan Drago from Rocky IV, he's... Well, yeah, but villain. he redeems himself in the end because he throws that dude and he's like, for me! For yeah. me! So he's kind yeah. of a good guy at the end. Clubber Lang from Rocky Three, Mr. T, definitely a villain yeah, the whole time and he's super captivating. So I might, I might go with Clubber Lang here as a straight-up bad dude who you just can't help but be captivated by his performance. Mm-hmm. But I'm still... I'm, green block on it. I'm still going back to Disney villains for whatever reason. I'm still it's getting, like, dragged back to toward, likeable, like... Though. Like, Scar? I guess Jafar is better than Scar. It's the program market. They spend a lot of money. Gaston? I'm making those ones we Ooh, Gaston! Gaston. Oh. Gaston might be on my list. He has a whole song about what a villain he is, and mm-hmm. it's a great song. Uh, all right. Do you want to give me the next one, or do you want another minute with your fictional... I'm going to let you go. I'm going to just do All right, and give me one possession... That you could never get rid of. One possession that you could never get rid of. You can't say Kaz or Zach. You have to say a thing. I know. I'm beyond them. Um, (laughs) Jeez. I'm just kidding. Uh, The angle would have been like, they're not my possessions, they're my partners. (laughs) Forget that. (laughs) Next time you need an interpersonal communication lawyer, you call me. (laughs) Uh, I would say the easy answer that I have for this is uh, 
that Epiphone Les Paul custom that you guys got me when we were younger was a guitar. It was given to me as a gift mm. by Kevin and Jay and everybody, and they pitched it. A lot of my a lot friends, of people pitched in. tons of people pitched in a little bit of money here and there to help me uh, pay for this guitar I really like that I couldn't afford. I, Shout out to miscellaneous acquaintance from the past, uh, Keegan. Keegan. Bushy. Keegan Bushy. Keegan Bushy. Thanks, Keegan. That kid, like, overchipped in. And mm. a huge percentage on their purchase. Really? Relative to everybody else. Yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. Love the band. He loved you. He thought you were a nice guy. Oh, well, he was wrong. <laughs> I am not a nice <laughs> He's guy. He's a nice kid. Yeah, maybe move the way. I haven't thought about that kid in a million years. Well, Keegan, thanks, man. Appreciate yeah, yeah. it. I still, I wouldn't sell that. There have been times when I've been desperate for money in my life. Let me put it that way, where I've been mm-hmm. like, ah, I need to do something. Could never even, like, think about the concept of getting rid of it. It just means too much. Because of, I remember even when that was presented to me. And I am not good at taking, like, gifts or being made attention of and it was that's why I told everybody don't do it I'm like he's not gonna like it <laughs> <laughs> no I, I did like it he's gonna be upset that you give it to him it's like he'll, he'll be happy but it's true he's not he's having a tough time accepting it Heather how about your possession that you could not get rid of it's um when my father passed away I didn't get any pictures of him mm-hmm. and I got one so I have like no digital of my For father sure. so I have this one picture of my father like mm-hmm. dancing at this wedding being like his exact personality it's kind of wrinkled so oh, yeah. I feel oh, yeah. like I could. I, I, that makes me happy. You got a frame? No, I don't have a frame. It's in an envelope. Bag. Probably get some copies made. Yeah, I'm gonna. Like, so that's like my one thing. I mean, I don't really hold tight to a lot of things. That, Possession-wise. So yeah. it just, I don't yeah, know, yeah. but that would be mine for sure. Mm-hmm. Kevin, what about you? Yeah, flows and dead parents. Yeah. <laughs> Gotta say, that's true. I mean, <laughs> like, really, though, like, yeah, who didn't exist during digital time? I mean, that's the stuff where, yeah. or like specific yeah. things like from them, you know, like that, obviously the stool that we have in the living room. Yeah. I would never, ever, for the life of me, ever I give that it. away. That's my, my, when we were kids and we used to drive around the neighborhood, uh, my mom would, my dad, in joking around, would call her a trash picker. But, like, when people were putting out different mm-hmm. stuff, she'd be like, oh, that's really cool. I can fix that. We can, you know, refinish that. We can restain that. Yeah. And she ended up finding that stool that somebody tossed on the side of the road. And it seemed like such a rare thing. And, you know, looking at it now, they're actually not that hard to find. A lot of them have been painted. I think it's nice. But they, yeah, it's cool. Mm-hmm. But like they're, you know, they're around. It's a thing from like a certain time. But like that one specifically, um, I wouldn't part with. You know, I took for a reason. Like when I moved out of the house and I took everything. And I don't know why that specifically. But yeah, things like that, mm-hmm. like photos. It's got to be photos. That's the only thing. Everything okay. else. You know, it's funny you say. There's actually a photo on the uh, on the mantel out above the fireplace in, this, mm-hmm. in the green room. It's just a photo of me and my grandfather from when I was a kid, and there is no digital version of that. I probably had that everywhere. I don't think about it as something that I always carry with me, but it has been with me sure. at every apartment, yeah. every place I've ever gone. I have two or three. Yeah. I have two or three on the mantle yeah. of me with like siblings that are from a long time ago. Yeah, that one of you. Yeah. That one of you and your brother and sister in Jennysville. The one you got like right over there. That's is that new. I don't know. There's one you have up there. I looked at today. I was really oh, that's real nice. It's a nice photo. Yeah. Well, there's one that yeah we got a bunch printed off from like a wedding. So that's yeah. just like that's a photo from Facebook. Somebody printed that modern one. Mm. But there's one from back in the day, like me and my brother and sister when we were kids. Mm. So like one of me and my brother were on a vacation that I used to have hanging up in my room and he was mad at me one day, so he scribbled on my face with a silver marker mm-hmm. and I couldn't wash it off and I kept it because I love it. You yeah. know what I mean? Um, and I like that story about the picture. So yeah, stuff like it's just it's gotta be like photos. Uh, very good. Nice work, guys. Uh, <laughs> I have two quick lists for you guys before we close out for the day. Uh, the first one is from earlier this week, the New York Public Library earlier this uh, this week or this month calculated the most checked out books of all time that it's ever checked out. Uh, so this is the list of the top 10. A lot of them, I have to, I was surprised. Well, not surprised. I should have thought of it. A lot of them are kids' books. Like, so, one to keep in mind. Number one was a book called The Snowy Day. Yeah, my son loves that book. Really? I didn't, oh, I didn't yeah. know that one. I was kind yeah. of surprised by that's, Ezra Jack That's a cute Keats. book. 
485,000 checkouts in the time that it's been there. Number two, Cat in the Hat by Dr. Seuss. Number three, the first adult book on here is 1984 by George Orwell. Like so, people, it's like it's more middle school. Yeah, I feel like that's something you read in high school, read in middle school or something. Uh, number four is Where the Wild Things Are. And number five is Kevin's favorite book, To Kill a Mockingbird, uh, which makes sense. Rounding out the list, Charlotte's Web, Fahrenheit 451, How to Win Friends and Influence People at Dale Carnegie, wow. uh, The Very Hungry Caterpillar, uh, and then, of course, Harry Potter and the Sorcerer's Stone. So there's your top ten. Um, yeah, I guess I should have I should have seen the all the kids' books coming. It makes sense that they would get checked out the most. And this mm-hmm. is who made this? What's this through? Like, oh, NPR's talking about this is from oh, just NPR, the New York Public okay, Library okay, did their okay. list of checkouts of all time. Mm. Uh, all right, and the other list. Uh, well, let me start with a peg for this story. Uh, two movies came out this week. Uh, one of them was a huge success. One is a huge failure. The huge success was the sequel to Bad Boys, Bad Boys for Life. Big success, overdrew what people thought it would do this weekend. I've heard the movie is only okay, but it made tons of money. Uh, it made $101 million. However, the new Robert Downey Jr. movie, Doolittle, where he plays no. Dr. Doolittle, is poised to make a $50-plus million loss. It did not look like a good movie. Yeah, I'm not the previews surprised. were terrible for us. I didn't... Junk. They didn't get him any kind of character. You ever watch... I remember watching this, this trailer the first time for Doolittle and being like, I don't know who this is for. Yeah. It's not for adults. It doesn't it's seem weird. like it's for kids. It seems super... In, I don't know. It's just, just a shame for him trying to get away from Iron Man to go to, like, that be the next movie. Well, you'd think if you're Iron Man, you could basically just pick whatever movie you wanted to do. I can't imagine that he was like, you know what I want to do? What did they pay him? It's a great question. Is he getting back end? Does he uh, have a deal? Well, negotiated the, there? Maybe. You'd have to think. This movie's not going to make very much money, though. Might be a big miss here for him. True, but, I mean, he might, you know. All right, and uh, I'm going to forego the other list because it's too long to dig through the whole thing now. And let's just go to one lightning round. I'm uh, sorry, uh, one bit from other blog question uh, for this week. Is there anything more simple slash satisfying than building a fire? Is there anything more simple slash satisfying hmm. than building a fire? <laughs> I like to build a fire. Yeah. I built a fire last weekend. However, my answer is making a grilled cheese sandwich because I can eat it at the end. Mm. Eating is very comforting to me and simple and satisfying in a way that, like, building a fire is not. Um, That's a pretty solid argument. I love to build a fire. Yeah. I do find it to be very simple and satisfying. Um, simple, I'm aware that it's not simple for everybody. Yes. I've seen multiple different uh, styles, attempts, and skill levels. <laughs> that is correct. Through the course of my life. Um, but, yeah, no, it's, it's, it's great. I mean, that taps into some real, like, primordial... Yeah, you know, like pre pre civilization type stuff. Yeah, you yeah. know what I mean. The, like the comfort of fire. Yeah, yeah. As far as simple and satisfying, I would have to say. You know, yeah, there's a, there, as far as activities you do, you could simplify it even more. You know what I mean? Like yeah. I'm sure Heather hearing your child laugh. Yeah, you know what I mean. Right. It's probably so simple and yeah. so satisfying and such like a basic joy of life. But even at camp, sitting on the porch and having coffee mm-hmm. is probably one of the most relaxing things I get to do in the summer. Oh, yeah. Just sitting out, look at the lake at like 6 o'clock in the morning. We wouldn't know. We've never been invited. It's true. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, it's cold out now. In the summertime, she'll invite us. Oh, obviously, yeah, 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 yeah. obviously, she'll invite us <laughs> when it's nice We're out. coming up. We're renting jet skis this summer. We're just going to tear our ass around Fifth no, Lake. You guys it's coming to camp. Fifth Lake is a pond practice. Yeah, I know. We're going to ruin the lake, and we're going to be like, we're Heather's friends. We're going to be all over the lake. We're going to be all over Dakers. We're going to be all over Backwoods. You can't every keep us fish out, out of that pond. You can't keep us out of Del Boca Vista. All right. Um, that's it. We're so, actually banned from Del Boca Vista. All right, humanoids. This was great. Follow Heather at uh, HeatherWaz1. Follow Kevin underscore Kevin Sullivan. Follow me at SF Doom. Or just follow the show at uh, Uticast. 
We are on Facebook, Instagram, SoundCloud, uh, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher Podcasts, Shootacast.com. We're taking over the web. Uh, Sayonara, humanoids. Uh, keep it tight. Woodstock lives. Uh, tape machines are rolling. We will see you next week on another episode of the Ubicast. Thank you.